0: spreading cajun across the nation pushing the brand across the land welcome to Raging review made by the fans for the fans
1: Cajun hey, Nation, happy Monday. Welcome to Region Review. When you put a 1 and a 9 together, what number do you get? 19. 19! Why is 19 important? Oh yeah, we're the number 19 team in the country. Once again, welcome to Region Review. Matt Miguez here, Josh Jagno across from me, Jerry Hebert to my left. Gentlemen, first of all, welcome in, and are you still on cloud effing nine after Saturday's historic, historic football game?
2: I'm basking in the ambiance. I I'm think s- I'll be this yeah. way for quite a while.
3: Yeah, I'm still taking it in right now. Still taking it in. That's what she said.
2: Hey-oh! it has been too much fun. Uh, you know, it's, you don't even know. Uh, so, at the end of the game, you start thinking, oh, God, we might win this thing, and then it, it hits you that. Oh, God, we've never never done anything like this. I don't even know how to feel. I don't know what to do with my hands. What what, what do I do? I don't (laughs) know.
1: know. Yeah, we don't know how to act down here in Lafayette. Rundown of what's going to happen tonight. We're going to talk about the national exposure that the Cajuns have received because of this game. We're going to talk about Cajuns golf and Cajuns women's soccer. We're going to discuss if this was the biggest win in school history and... We're going to talk about our good buddy up to the Northwest, Mr. Tommy (laughs) McClellan. We're going to talk way, way too much about him and the fact that he went from the boss to the janitor. But, you know, we'll we'll get into that. All right. Anyways, guys, let's let's kick it off. Uh, You know, national exposure. The Cajuns are obviously the they're ranked 19 in the AP poll. 21 of the coaches poll this is the first time that they are ranked in either one of them in the modern era since 1943
2: oil bowl champions in 43 for those that didn't know the oil bowl that's correct okay showing my age i didn't know that was a thing i think we just made that up i don't even know if that's real
3: i think a few of their opponents were like military bases back then the boy scouts I, I, yeah, like the mili-
2: Louisiana School
1: for the Deaf and Blind.
3: I don't know, like just military. I things. mean, because it was during World War II, Bar- when there Barksdale was University money. up in
1: Shreveport. Hey, was that out, a thing? Shout out Seriously. to the 1943
2: All Bowl champions. We're just messing around. Yeah. RIP. <laughs> I mean, it's quite a while,
1: anyways. Um, got and then you know, again, going further into the the national exposure. How about Louisiana being named the Football Writers Athletic Association National Team of the Week?
2: It's pretty cool. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't
1: know it was a thing either, a but thing, I'm glad it's us.
2: The thing about winning is that you find out all these cool, all these things, new things, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Levi Lewis being named one of Davy O'Brien's Grade Eight quarterbacks. I didn't know that was a thing.
2: Also, didn't know that was a thing, but
1: hey, thrilled. Um, and then. God, for Rod Gardner.
2: No, he was a beast.
1: Like I'm just, I'm, I'm gonna say his name again, and then we're gonna sit in silence for a second. For Rod Gardner. Is the Walter Camp National Player, de- National Defensive Player of the Week.
2: Earned every bit of
3: it, no doubt.
1: Jesus Christ, a what a monster.
2: performance! He was a monster,
3: no doubt.
1: Nine tackles and a sack, just and and you know. On on paper, yeah, you know, nine tackles and a sack. Great game. Right. It doesn't really earn you national player national defensive player of the week. But if you watched the game and understood when those tackles happened, how they happened, the impact that they had on this game, ferocious performance by Farad Gardner. Uh, yeah. I don't want I don't want to take anything away from Lorenzo McCaskill, who was our leading tackler ten with tackles, ten. man.
2: But ridiculous performance by Farad Farad Gardner. Farad was awesome. Farad had many pressures that don't show up on the stat sheet. He was in position at every time or at every moment that he needed to be. So look, if you watch the game, Farad Gardner stood out.
1: Yeah, there, there's definitely no question about that. He was also named the Sunbelt Conference Defensive Player of the Week. Chris Smith was given the Sunbelt Conference Special Teams Player of the Week honors for his ridiculous kick return. And, you know, can we I don't know if this was seen by either one of you, but on Twitter this morning he was named I don't remember what page it was that, that discussed this. He was the fastest player in week one. Because on his kickoff return, he hit a max speed of are you ready for this? Twenty two point four miles per hour.
2: Wow. What's that translate to uh
1: Okay, I think we learned kind of, I think we learned last week that I'm not math. good with the math. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Either way, let's that's not let's not do fast. that. It's very fast for a human being to run. That's good. Hey, he was awesome. That punt return, really, you needed a counterpunch in so many ways, and he provided it. So I, I love to hear Billy talk about the actual punt return. They, they called, uh, I think it was a right return, and they saw that there was an opportunity in the center of the field. Uh, the guys executed it. Everybody had their assignment, and Chris did the rest. And then, obviously,
1: uh, Patrick Tony, in his defensive coordinating debut, was named... Defensive Coordinator of the Week by Athlon Sports.
2: We're going to get more into oh, absolutely, Tony absolutely. later, but man, I, I look, all offseason I was not worried, but it was a... It, it was, was a concern. Yeah, a question in my mind because, because Ron was so great. Yeah, it was a concern. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, he comes from the Ron Roberts coaching tree, as does Dave Aranda, as does another uh, prominent name that's escaping me right now, but... These guys know how to coach, and uh, Billy had a lot of confidence in them, and uh, you see why.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely. Uh, recap of the score. Cajuns go to Ames, Iowa, and take down the number 23 team in the country, 31-14, to 14, now ranked number 19 in the AP and 21 in the coaches poll. Guys, let's talk about the Cajuns golf team kicking off their season today at the Jim Rivers Intercollegiate tournament, Josh. You know you're you're kind of the golf guru. Yeah. For the for the for the pod, what's yeah. what's
2: going on over there? I want to really try to highlight the golf team on this podcast because there's been so much in, uh, invested in that program, and Theo Sliman's a, a good man and a good coach. I think he's got us on the right track. Uh, Jim Rivers Intercollegiate is is a pretty solid tournament. You know, we we shot some high scores in round one. I don't really have anybody in particular to highlight, but, uh, you know, look, we are going to follow the golf team. We're going to make sure make it a point to talk about these guys on the pod, so everybody stay tuned, but they kicked their season off this week. Good luck to those guys. Go out and represent us well. We know you will.
1: And then the Cajuns women's soccer team traveled to Stephen F. Austin and, you hosted. know, it was
2: hosted. Uh, yeah, you're right. i Razor sorry. Review is in the building. Uh, by the way, PSA, no dogs allowed in the stadium. Found that out, but- Said, you
1: tried to bring the
2: dogs. Hey, look, I, I, I reached out to people that go to soccer games, and they said they never stop us from bringing our dog in. So we took Lucy, and the uh, guy at the game was like, nope. So I said, dude, come on. You, you want fans or not?
1: Cajuns women's soccer hosted Stephen F. Austin, and it was a back-and-forth game all night long. And then the Lady Jacks scored in the 85th minute as the Cajuns fall to SFA 1-0.
2: I got, I got something for that. Caden's had a lot of opportunities, man. It's just one of those days where they couldn't catch a break, hit a couple of crossbars, hit a post a few times. Uh, they possessed the ball in the offensive quarter, oh, excuse me, offensive third, very often in this game. Um, they just It just all didn't bounce their way. So, uh, look, I got a ton of confidence in this team. They're still very sound. They play good defense. The Lady Jacks are a good squad from everything that I've been able to read and people that I was able to speak to at the game, so... Uh minor sent back for a major comeback. No big deal. We'll we'll keep we'll keep rolling on. And as
1: always, a huge thank you to all of our sponsors. Josh, let's go through the list, shall we? Go. Priority access, urgent care, roof exploration, shilling distributing, Award Master, PSC supply and hardware, escape reality travel agency, Gulf Coast Bank and Vaulted Security.
2: Newest sponsor, Gulf Coast Bank.
1: Yeah, big big shout out to them. Uh, looking forward to their partnership.
2: Uh, possibly some some more happening under the table as we speak. Well, I'll tell you what, we do all our banking in Gulf Coast Bank. They're great sponsors of uh, the Cajuns, Cajuns Athletics, and and beyond. Great community. They give back to the community. They're good people over there. We know some of them personally. Uh, we encourage you to do business with Gulf Coast.
1: Yeah, absolutely, guys. We'll take a break, and when we come back, we will ask ourselves and you. Is this the biggest win in school history? What was the moment that changed the game? Stats, breakdown, and so much more right here on Raging Review.
0: Shilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Region Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 and Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing Encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Priority Access Urgent Care, located in the Winwood Shopping Center at 2912 Johnston Street in Lafayette, will provide you with a patient-centered experience with a personal touch. With over 35 years of healthcare experience, President-Owner Ed Haney will provide you with exceptional and affordable care for minor injuries, illnesses, and occupational health. Offering vaccines and physicals, on-site x-rays, EKG, and lab services, as well as testing for flu, strep, and COVID-19. Now accepting all major medical insurance including Medicaid, Medicare, and VA insurance. Open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Priority Access Urgent Care, 2912 Johnston Street, where patients are our priority. Call 337-446-0555 for more information or online at priorityaccessurgentcare.com. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Ranging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of every athlete that puts on the Vermilion and White. Go Cajuns!
3: Back at Razor Review, I'm Jerry Abeer along with my buddies Matt Miguez and Mr. Man About Town himself, Josh Jagno. And guys, we're still on our high from a big, the big, probably the biggest win in school history on Saturday against number 23 Iowa State. Well, <laughs> they're not 23 anymore because now the Cajuns are the ones that are nationally ranked. And guys, let's talk a little bit about the game on Saturday. Questions for both of you: Is this indeed, or was this indeed, the biggest win in school history? You bet your sweet ass. All right. <laughs> you bet your sweet ass.
1: It was 100%. I know I'm the youngest guy in the room. It was 100% the biggest win in school history. Um, you know, going to an environment like Jack Trice Stadium, albeit no fans in the stands, one of the toughest places to play in college football, one of the most underrated places to play in college football. Yeah. Uh, just just a tough environment to be in, tough program to go up against. You know, Matt Campbell is regarded right next to Billy Napier as one of the best young coaches in the country. Um, Brock Purdy, although he didn't look very good on Saturday. It wasn't too Purdy, was he's, it? He's, he's, he's Sorry I mean, for the terminology. Mel, Mel, Mel Kuyper, who is the draft god, has him as the number 5 quarterback in the draft. Yeah, I mean, the kid's know slouch. Um, you know, Brees Hall is one of the most underrated running backs in, the, in college football. Uh, so, you know, I think Greg Eisworth is the best safety in the Big 12. I agree bar, with that. bar none. He he played well on Saturday. He did. Um, so you know, the, Iowa State's no slouch. Word. I think is just a testament to how well we played on on Saturday. And you know, we'll, we'll we'll go into that much much deeper. And I'll let you two give your opinion on the question. But absolutely, biggest win in school history.
2: Uh, for me, biggest win in school history. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not ready to say that. And the reason why I won't say that is because it depends on what we do on Saturday. Oh, no. And then it depends on what we do the next, well, two Saturdays from there. And then two wait, the no, following. Wrong. Do we not have a bye after the 19th? We have a bye after the 26th. My bad. Okay, so so it's Georgia State and then Georgia Southern. Georgia okay. State,
3: Georgia Southern. Bye. Yeah. Gotcha. Buy, buy and
1: actually. then App on Wednesday.
2: If we stub our toe against those two teams, it's just merely a good win. I'm telling
1: you this. If we go if we go to App State 3-0. On a high after three nationally televised ball games. Sure, guys. Sure. Look, there's, and, and there's let me no. let me let me just say this while we're I, I don't mean to cut you off, but while we're on the subject of App State, I just want to throw this out there. Upset alert the Saturday, Marshall. Upset alert the Saturday. I don't even know if that'd be an upset.
3: Uh, yeah, I was I gonna mean,
1: say. I mean, App's a, a three point favorite in Vegas right now. Is Pick it? Take that Marshall? for what you will. It is at
2: Marshall. See, the blundering turds are pretty good. Yeah, they are.
1: They're not
3: bad.
2: <laughs> They're freaky they're good. They're freaky. They get they're t- usually that, that a little quarterback.
3: of Commerce USA.
2: Little I mean, quarterback's yeah. pretty good, but anyway, you know I don't want to get too far off. But
3: you know I, I, I that
2: is a top five moment in my life. That game, as a sports fan. But not the best in school history. Well, n- well here's the thing, I know what it can mean. So it's going to be one of those retroactive deals.
3: It's what you do with it. Is what you're saying.
2: That's absolutely correct.
3: Yeah. If you go, sense.
2: if you go on the road in conference and you don't take care of your business. It's merely a good win. Sure. And even, look, all of the national attention is is phenomenal. But the national attention span is very short. And they'll forget you quickly. We've got to... You know, I already know that the players have had the 24-hour rule and are already back to work. As fans, we don't have to do that. We get to have a little more fun with it, which we've had plenty of. But uh, I'm not ready to say it's the biggest win in school history just yet. I will say if we are in position to make a New Year's Six Bowl, as the First Lady said today, did not mince words, we're going to a New Year's Six Bowl. I don't know if y'all saw that on Twitter. She
1: did say that. Carrie
2: Maggard. I call her the First Lady of Louisiana She Ladies is the Kingdom First Lady Athletics. of Louisiana Athletics. So. For sure. Yeah. So if we're there, if we take care of business, yeah, it's the biggest win in school history, but it's going to take 10, 12 weeks for me to be able to say that it it actually was.
3: I find it ironic that we're talking about this on this date. For those of you who don't know, it's September fourteenth, twenty twenty, which is the twenty fourth anniversary of the biggest win, debatably one of the biggest wins in school history. Well, September fourteenth, nineteen ninety six, when the Cajuns defeated a Texas A and M. So it's right. ironic that we're talking about that right now.
1: Right, right now, I don't, I don't know if it's much of a debate. I think the Texas A and M game is the biggest win in school history as it stands now.
2: I, I actually have another uh, that would compete. Uh, Brett Bears kick to beat San Diego State in the New Orleans Bowl in front of yeah us. yeah several million people on national television for so sure I for think, sure I think that might be number one it's just just because of where college football was I know
1: I know the time. that was I know that night was one of my favorite moments as as a sports fan sure. I, I skipped my first high school homecoming for
3: it I graduated that day from UL I got my degree <laughs> earlier <laughs> what a that what day could you ask for a better graduation gift than that and well, I got to go on the field I was right under the goalpost. When he kicked it, and I just rushed the field. Yeah, just...
1: Jerry, you're gonna have to post that video to the Twitter. Yeah. And oh, let, I can do that. Let I everybody, I let I everybody see that. Well, oh,
3: another thing about
2: that game was we were all there, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And we. I mean, 50, granted, I was. Of us, I was 14. But fifty thousand know. of see, us. Yeah, I mean, it's fifty thousand of us in the stadium, and and the feeling and the electricity, and we had the momentum going, and we were getting thirty thousand a game. Uh, I, I think you don't have any of that without that kick. You know what I mean? So I still think that that might be number one, and two, maybe this is three, until we take care of business this year. And then retrospectively, I would say, yeah, maybe that's – or I'm sorry, retroactively, I'd say that's number one.
3: I mean, I think I think, in my opinion, I think this win, um, as of right now, when it comes to perception as a program, I think this is the biggest win because – Going on the road against not only just a regular Iowa State team, like you guys had mentioned the other day. You know, Iowa State is not always the darling of the, of the Big Twelve, right? They're always kind of like on the back burner. But this year, in particular, with what Matt Campbell's done there, very similar to Billy Napier, right? Sure. He comes there, turns them into a bunch of winners. Really, kind of turns them into a program very similar to Louisiana. And I mean, at the and so to go there and and. Beat a team with that much expectations. I mean, look, some of these analysts had Iowa State as a dark horse for the playoff, and all of a sudden, you know, there, there, you got a quarterback that's an NFL prospect. You've got a decent running back. You've got an offense that's known to score points in the Big Twelve, and you go over there and you shut down their offense. You shut down that quarterback. You shut down that running back, and you beat them by three scores. I mean, this to me was one of the biggest wins, not only because of the fact that we beat Iowa State, but it goes. It, it just showed me that finally, that this team belonged. This team can compete with the big boys. This team can go on the road against a P5 opponent and dominate. That's what makes this win so special. And then on top of that, the notoriety that comes with it. We've never. We can't. We have never said this is the first podcast episode. The first time a Cajun fan could say in a conversation that we're nationally ranked in both both of the biggest two of the biggest polls. And not only are we in the top 25. The AP poll, the most important poll of them all, has us in the teens. We're ranked number 19th in the nation, guys.
2: Brando's got us at 10.
3: Brando has us in. Do you know how crazy, how important, how big that is? I don't know about you guys. My phone was blowing up the other day when the games when the game was over. From friends from Mississippi, Baton Rouge, New Orleans. I got a buddy in Ohio and Indiana. I mean, just the the notoriety we got from this win.
1: Yeah, for sure. If you haven't read it yet, if you are not a subscriber to the Athletic, first of all, what the hell are you waiting for? Uh be be a subscriber to the Athletic. It's well worth your money. Uh secondly, to that point, if you have not yet read Bruce Feldman's article about Patrick Tony and the defensive performance from Saturday. He sp- he spoke with Tony either Saturday night or Sunday morning when Patrick Tony got to his locker in the, locker, in the visiting locker room at Iowa State, he turned his phone back on and his phone glitched out.
2: After the game, you say?
1: Right. Okay. <laughs> he had 170 text messages from wow. people all over the country commending him on an elite performance. In his first game as a defensive coordinator,
2: well, we have that on the
1: rundown, and I cannot. And wait yeah, to get no, into that. we're going to get into that. I'm actually going to move some things in, in the rundown around, if you guys don't mind. Yeah, for sure. We're going to go ahead and go into the scoring summary. Okay. Um. So let let's do that now. Uh. You know, the the first quarter was pretty uh, pretty sluggish, between the Cajuns and Cyclones. Neither offense could really get anything going, and if I remember correctly, Nate Snyder missed his first field goal. In the first quarter, because we had the chance to go yeah. at three nothing, correct?
2: You know, yeah, and and this is the thing about that. We talk a lot about special teams here. I thought that I still have a ton of confidence in Nate. Look, that's his first collegiate attempt. Snap wasn't perfect. Hold wasn't perfect. No shot at anybody. It just wasn't. I mean, there's right. jitters. There's rust. It's going to happen. I mean, think about it. New holder. New new snapper. Oh yeah. New kicker. And look, again, when the lights come on, things change. So I, I still was surprised that he missed it. Let's be honest, 27-yarder. I mean, it's a PAT. That's a chip shot. So uh, when you're going in there and trying to pull the upset, you can't give away three points here and there. So I, and it was, I personally thought, oh, man, that's going to show up. That's going to be one of those moments where we had an opportunity. Minus three.
3: So. Yeah. I think uh, you know when he missed that kick. I think what scared me with the uh, CDS. CDS. You, yes. Well, you look. You look at if this team. What you know? I look at. Or the first thought that came to mind was if we lose this game by two points. If we lose this game by a point, I'm going to go back to that field goal and say, well, if we would have made this, it kind of kick. It kind of kicks in. So well, that's exactly right. Yes,
2: yeah, that's, that's exactly right. My <laughs> first. My we've first. We've had many was, of those in the past. My first thought was: here we go again.
3: <laughs> Three points. Especially after you force a turnover. Right. And you and you get it's like a ten to twelve play drive.
2: So the first turnover, so the first drive of Iowa State was the fumble, correct? No, it was second that was the second one.
3: one. Second or third? Second.
2: All right, I don't want to get ahead of you, son. Right, I'm just right. I want to make sure. I, which,
1: which, by the way, we'll we'll get into that. But I'm just going to throw this out there. I think that play was the turning point of the whole game.
2: Quibido's fumble uh, force. Yeah. So I that think was the second Iowa State possession. They're moving the ball. They cross midfield. Jordan Quibido, friend of the pod. Comes in, rips the ball out. We yep. recover. You, you, you thought,
1: okay. Al, albeit, it took a while for that to come to fruition. I think that was the turning point of the entire football game.
2: Good enough. Good enough.
1: Second quarter, 4:28 remaining. Kine Nwangu? butchering that name. Hey, long sounds long days, good Nwangu. to me. Yeah. Uh, one yard touchdown run. It, it was essentially a punch in. Uh, and, and from from my vantage point, Brees all got in the play before. Yeah. Uh, the refs didn't give it to him. Yep, um, so 14 seconds later, literally 14 seconds later, Chris Smith, 95-yard kickoff return to make it 7-7. Seven to seven. Brees Hall, a couple minutes later, punches one in from 11 yards out. What a great drive by the Iowa State offense. That's when I
2: got nervous, but I'll tell you this. Going back to the Chris Smith return, we needed some gas. Yeah. We needed something to ignite and he counter punched and I would never give it back, of course, but I did say after the touchdown, I thought, oh man, defense is tired. They're going right back on the field. And I think, you know, a lot of people made a comment about, well, the defense looked kind of sluggish at the end on that possession. Well, they had just given up a long drive and they got right back on the field and it was getting close to halftime. You could see him kind of bending over, you know, hands right. on waist and, and it showed. I, they blew some assignments in, deep into that drive right before the scoring play. Like for example the second and nineteen. Yeah. Look, there was a blown assignment here. We 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 looked kind of lethargic on tackling attempts. I think that's directly because long drive, right, kickoff touchdown. And you know, I'll, I'll I'll say this. My uh my brother, avid listener
1: of Rage and Review, texted me right after Nwangu scored that opening touchdown. And he said, Watch this. Kick return. Yeah. And I think he the, called it. Uh, he called it.
3: I love the kick return because also too, like if you look at Iowa State, they had to earn that touchdown drive. They that had to absolutely earn did. that touchdown. They had to grind, and then all of a sudden they go on the sideline. Oh, we're gonna get a water break, and before you can squirt the water in your mouth, there's Nerd. Chris Smith going into the end zone, and they're like, "Oh, right, here you we you, go you, again.
1: you just sat down to sp- to speak with the offensive coordinator." Yeah. And
2: can we talk about how Chris Smith just ran away from Iowa State? There I mean, wasn't dude, a single person on that special team's With coverage. a max
1: speed of 22.4. He slowed Look. down
2: the last 20 yards.
1: What did yeah. I tell you all last by, year?
2: By the time he crossed the goal line, I think he was at 16
1: miles an hour. Ooh. I mean, he just blew them away. I yeah. told
3: everybody last year with losing Raymond Kale, we're not going to, like, Kale was a huge part of the offense, but I said it with that Chris wasn't Smith's gonna speed. Be,
1: that wasn't going to be a deadly blow to the offense. I
3: mean, with Chris Smith's speed, I mean, people forget last year when he went in the second half against Coastal. He almost got 100 yards in the second half alone.
2: On, like, four carries.
3: On, oh, like, four or five carries. Yep. Did the same thing against Troy. Remember yep. that long run he broke against Troy? He broke to that second level. By the time he got to, like, the 15 or 10-yard line, he was literally just walking in because there was nobody within 30 yards of him.
2: And what I loved about those runs last year was they were backbreakers on those games. Yeah, so it was great to see Chris get into the mix, man. He's he's a hard worker. He's, he's going to be, be good stud, for this program. Oh, oh yeah, he's
3: going to be a stud.
1: And like like I said earlier, three minutes later, Brees Hall, eleven yard touchdown run. Again, another great run. Uh, Cajuns did everything they could defensively, plugged in the gaps because the the play was a zone read right of the middle. Uh, plugged the gaps. Chris Smith just using that football IQ, bounced to the outside and caught the corner.
2: Look. Their offensive line is capable, and they had some great moments against our defensive line. Now, look, I think our defensive line was outstanding on Saturday, but the offensive line made some pretty gaping holes earlier in that game, especially in the second quarter. That's Look, CDS, of course, is part of it, but second half of the second quarter, I was like, oh, shit, it's happening. They're starting to get their footing. They got a little bit of a rhythm. They're wearing us down. But – Hey, you know Napier's proven he's gonna make adjustments at halftime.
3: Two things that stood out to me on that drive. Number one, the good news, and and we're gonna talk about this Matt in a little bit, but the good news was it was towards the end of the first half, so you knew once if they were to score or punt, the Cajuns would have limited time, but it was gonna be halftime soon. Right. So you knew even with a touchdown, they wouldn't be able to gain too much momentum because they still had to go to the half. (laughs) Number two, there should have never been a touchdown that drive. Remember on third and four, Brock Purdy's pass to Xavier Hutchinson, uh, Percy Butler. Let him, you know, he let Hutchinson get a little bit of a head, grabbed him down. And on third down, it was a pass interference in the first down, which extended the drive. And what was sad about that or what was frustrating about it when I was watching it at the time, the pass was overthrown. Yeah. It it was out of reach. Purdy threw, he led Hutchinson a little too much. And I guess, look, if you're a corner or a safety and something like that happens, sometimes you you pull a stunt like that. It's it's a reaction. If
2: you get beat, you pull. But somebody hit Purdy, and I think it might have been Farad, hit Purdy. When he released the ball, but it was overthrown, and I think Percy just look. He's just doing his job. Yeah. He didn't want to get burnt and give up a big play right before you're the talking, end. You talking
1: about Percy's path interference? Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, one hundred percent. I was fine. Yeah. I was fine with it.
1: I, I because it. I mean Understood. again, if. if Granted, the ball was overthrown, but he but, didn't know that. But 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 think about how the ball been on point. Right. Yeah. If he doesn't pull him down, that's a touchdown. Well, I think I was he,
3: more. I think I was more frustrated after the fact when I saw the replay. Yeah. And he overthrew him because even the commentators right. were like, but, "He but was overthrown." But uh, you also
1: have to take it from Percy's standpoint.
3: You got to stop some. You got to stop.
1: Him. Right. I, I he he that, and you know. and also from his vantage point, he couldn't tell that the ball was overthrown.
3: It's true. It's true. Yeah.
1: Pop top. Thank you to Schilling Distributing, the official alcohol distributor. Of region review. Nate Schneider kicked in a 30 yard field goal as time expired in the first half. So we roll into halftime with a 14 to 10 deficit. Guys, at that moment, how were you feeling?
2: Uh, I, I was feeling okay because we were still in the game, but I want to say Devin Pauly made a spectacular. Oh, God, catch. yes. That was a great try. What a catch. Uh, yeah, yeah that whole drive that was a great drive. Well, look, you, you get in there and you've got a two back setter, you run the pistol and you got everybody bunched in. Uh, what do you do right before the half? You spread everybody out. I wanted to see Levi run the ball a little bit more. He did that on that drive. He hit a couple of passes. Uh, you saw Kyron Lacy catch a pass right before yep. the half. That's what I was going to say. His athletic ability is very apparent. Uh, so it was good to see him. But look, we had to get points out of that drive. It didn't matter if it was three seven two two on a some kind of weird safety. Right, we had, well, to, had to get something. It done. Yeah, well, I sure. just
3: want to really sum it up on that drive. I mean, look, you had. <laughs> Well, Johnny Lumpkin dropped one, but he had a pass to Johnny Lumpkin, which was dropped. He had a pass to Devin Pauley, had a pass to Kyron Lacy, passed to Elijah Mitchell, a pass to Jalen Williams. So many players touched the ball on that drive. Yep. And so, no. not only did they touch the ball, but it was a very fluid drive. I know I know Iowa State spread out their deal a little bit, played more of a zone coverage. But for us to be able to march down the field and dink and doink, and, and that's that's Levi's forte. Well, we excel in the two-minute within, drill. Anything within 15 yards, he hits you on stride just about every time, and he did that that drive, and to me, being able to march down the field, get a field goal, big time going into the locker room. And the offense, that was really one of the first drives besides that one where they missed the field goal, where they really got the ball moving. Started clicking and Started Levi. Clicking, you know, Levi
2: right. threw some darts on
3: that on that no two doubt. minute drill.
1: No doubt. The the turnover on Downs to open up the third quarter for Iowa State was also another turning point. Oh, dude. In in that
2: football game. But then, you know, the, the Cajuns. The 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 Turnover on down. To begin the third quarter, is in my top three plays that changed the game. Yeah, uh, for I, sure. it Was it Ashley Washington that batted away yeah, on the third was, down, on the fourth it. down? Man, that guy is unfreaking real. Yeah, how do we just and, stop and talking we'll, about that and,
1: guy? And we'll, we'll we'll get back to him in a second. Oh yeah. You know the Cagers get the ball back and kind of gets the the um. The offense kind of sputters right there after the turnover on downs. Reese Burns with the punt. The punt return actually ends up getting fumbled. And then Iowa State gets called for an unnecessary roughness.
2: It, I don't know what happened over Pushed there. Push them back to their own 10. But I want to say that Reese was phenomenal. Again, yeah. I said it in the reaction Reese, Reese was Reese was phenomenal. Reese flipped the field three times at least. Man, that is thing. those are things that people don't necessarily look at when – you know, they look at the outcome of the game, but those were massive kicks in critical situations. And somebody ran down there and made an excellent play on the ball. Uh, I don't remember who made the hit, but as soon as the Iowa State punt returner touched the ball, we were there for the hit. Yeah. And we had an opportunity to recover a fumble. And then, ladies and gentlemen, three, three short plays
1: later on that first down, right after the play, Brees Hall gets stuffed for a loss of three. Brock Purdy throws a. Pass to 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 Tariq Milton again for a loss of three. So now it is third and sixteen. Cam Podesclo. Oh, that's the
2: play where Cam Podesclo runs yeah. in, yep. hits the dude at the knees on, on the safety blitz, and yeah. drops him like a sack of potatoes. And I'm, Cam Podesclo might be the toughest guy oh, yeah. on the football team. I love the guy. I love the way he plays. He attacks.
1: And then third and sixteen from the Iowa State four. When I tell you this was a grown man play yeah. because I'm just going to start with this. What a hell of a throw by Brock Purdy. It was hell of a throw by Brock Purdy. But AJ Washington again like we like we just talked about just a grown man ripped the ball away. From, I don't remember who the Iowa State receiver was. Just, I think it was Hutchinson. What was it? It I, might I, it might have been Hutchinson. They, they Hutchinson man,
2: was Purdy's guy that day. They played they played man uh almost the entire game but it, have you can you remember a better pick in a more important Not situation. Not at all. No. He had the ball in his hands. Right. Yeah. If it's Hutchinson, he had the ball in and his as hands. And he's, as he's going to the ground, A.J. just, just rips it out. It was like, that's something you yeah, see on, a, on
1: Sunday. That's a grown man play. And then, you know, the, the Cajun's offense comes out, great field position. Doesn't really do a whole lot with it. Um, and then Story of the day Nate, on offense. Nate, 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 Nate Snyder missed again. But, you know, and then the defense comes back out again. I can't stress this enough. The defense played phenomenally right after that short drive where we should have gotten at least three, got nothing. Cage's defense forces a three and out, and then out comes the offense. I don't know what Billy Napier told Levi Lewis. I don't know what happened there. But what do I tell you guys every time Levi drops back? to 13 i don't know why (laughs) Why? holy hell what are you doing yeah it freaks me out yeah every time it freaks me out he runs he he does the little rpo handoff drops back and just launches it but the thing is is that when you're not there when you're watching it on tv you can't see what he sees right so when he lost that ball up in the air i'm like holy hell what are you doing why are you doing that but then the camera pans over and there's a wide open
2: Peter LeBlanc streaking down the sideline, seventy eight yard touchdown pass. I was talking to Jay and Craig after the game and I said I said a very similar thing. I said, you know, when you when you see him first of all, when you have to take a five step drop after the defensive ends for Iowa State were just absolutely Man, crashing. They were
3: they were coming around. They were fast, fast. they were physical. How about Jaquan
2: Bailey completely clearing Trey Regis? Yes. So so yeah. I think it was Chris Smith that he jumped over. Mm. But, but either way, yeah, regardless, either way, those guys were he jumped, so He jumped athletic. over a human being. It, 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 yes, they were so athletic. So just the, the fact that he had to drop back five steps and wait four or five seconds for somebody to get open was terrifying to me. But when you release the ball, you can't see anything. And as soon as the camera pans, a telltale sign is if the ball is underthrown, the wide receiver will immediately slow down. If the ball is overthrown, they'll immediately start, start trying to run faster. Peter didn't flinch. He didn't come off of his route, and the ball just dropped right into the breadbasket.
3: That was that was Levi's best deep ball since he's been the starting quarterback. It's one of
2: them for
0: sure. Because
3: a lot of times he throws deep. It's like you said, Matt. I'm kinda like, oh geez, because a lot of times he'll overthrow him. And you know, to me, I just don't think that's Levi's forte. Levi is 15, 20 yards. Between the numbers. Between the numbers down the seam. But the deep ball just—he just doesn't do it much, and so when he does, it's rare, and a lot of times it freaks me out. It man. just doesn't—it it just doesn't come to fruition, and he just—he led Peter perfectly. It was the perfect perfectly throw. on that pass play.
2: Perfect throw.
1: Iowa State comes back on the field, gets one first down on the drive, forced to punt again, and then here comes Eric
2: Garer, the guillotine. That—that that was yeah. That—that's the—that's that the, the nail in the coffin. That's when Cajun fans started thinking. Hmm. What if we win?
3: We might actually win this thing. That's right. what I thought. Oh yeah. my gosh. The, the, the,
1: the second he ran that ball into the end zone, I said, holy crap, we're gonna do it.
2: Yeah. I started walking around the the, the room and I was like, uh I don't know what to do with myself. What, what if we win? Yeah, that, that's when I said that's when I said we're gonna do it.
1: Um and then you know the Iowa State offense comes back out again. Cajun's forcing them to a punt. Then the offense for us goes three and out. But, again, I don't know how much we were really trying at this point. I think, I, think, I think you were just second. milking the clock. Running yeah. clock. Running clock. Um, and then force Iowa State into a turnover on down to drive later. And then the last offensive drive for UL is what I really want to spend a good bit of time on. 11 plays, 56 yards, killed seven minutes
2: of the clock. Big boy football. Capped off by a Trey touchdown. This is when you know you can play big boy football. When you have a lead, and you tell the other team, "This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna line up. We're gonna turn around and hand it to our back here, and try to stop them." And for seven minutes, well, here's the thing: Trey Regas punched a Big 12 defense that is picked to, in some eyes, win the Big 12. Punched them in the mouth repeatedly, and made them quit. You understand well, that, man? He, 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 he had he Campbell throw in the towel with five minutes left to go. We're done. We're <laughs> done here. Trey, Trey didn't do it by himself. Oh, Definitely, no,
1: was... Trey, Trey led the charge. Sure, but keep, keep in mind, Elijah Mitchell had 22 yards on that drive on third and seven. That run on third and yeah. seven, so he, uh, Elijah sealed, Mitchell that... had
2: 22 yards on that drive. That, that sealed the deal. That sealed the deal. That's, S- That's true. I, I want to give you like Chris some Smith.
1: Price, Chris Smith had 10 yards on that drive. Yeah. What like, did I say? He, he, he I didn't, he didn't say do it. He didn't do it alone. The running but I think, game. I think your point. I think. I think to your point, the Trey Regis handoffs, those were the blows. Hey, just
2: just. Brutal.
1: Those were the blows. Just what, physical, what, what over, and over and over and over. And then yeah, like like you said. Sorry, I I'm, I'm gonna make one more point and You can have whatever you want to say. You really saw. I I don't remember after what play, but there was a point where they panned the camera to Matt Campbell, and just the face that he just defeated. Yeah, he knew it was over.
2: Just they the, were down by ten at that time. Just the, oh, well, you know. And, and still had
1: all three timeouts.
2: Two two for sure. I don't know if they had all three. They had all three. I'm just telling you, dude. When, like you said, they showed him on the sideline, and it's like he was looking for his lost puppy there. And then uh, I still, I, I looked at Catherine. And I said, they got two timeouts. What are they doing? Uh, they just give it up. It's five minutes. You're down by oh. 10. You're not down by 30. Right.
3: It's like I said last week going into this game with our offensive plan. Stick with the basics. Stick with the basics. All right, Barth City Blues, settle down. But, again, you saw that in the last drive. Josh, when we talked about North Dakota State, why are they good? Why is App State good on offense? Well,
2: because they know who they are and they do it well.
3: What did we do on that last drive? We, we stuck knew stuck who we who were, were and we, we stuck, did it well. We stuck to who we, we, we were. We stuck to who we were. That's, that's UL building your football granted, on that last drive. For,
1: for the first 52 minutes of the game, Iowa State's defense didn't allow
2: us to be who we were. What, I, agree, I agree with that, and a lot of times I do too. the I, rushing attack will always come through for you late in the game because you're, you're spent.
3: Well, no. that was another thing, too. I think we said it from we said it from the get-go last week going into the preview. You know, when you play a, a, a defense like Iowa State, and look, I'm going to credit them. They were a good defense. Oh, they are a good defense, and but, they're going to get but better. But they're not built. Teams like that that are in the Big 12 or just conferences that pass are not built in the 57th or 58th minute that's of the right. game to stop the run, and, and we, I mean, that's our bread and butter is the run, and so I find, like, you can tell in those last two or three minutes of the drive when we were getting inside the 40 and inside the 30, and you see Elijah Mitchell break that, you know, that third and seven run, where it was like for like nineteen 20, yards, 20 yards, yeah, 19 yards, that's where you finally see, okay, we know who we are, yeah. we've got energy right now, we're better, better conditioned, and their defense is worn out, and they're gassed, they're shot, and that's right. really, when you're a team, or a P5, and you're playing someone like us who really hasn't had that type of success, and they're beating you by ten on your t- on your home turf with two or three minutes left, and they're ground and pounding you. Yeah. What? How, how do you how do you come back from that? Well, and I want to say you this don't. also. You don't. Offensive
2: line just bulldoze people in the fourth yeah. quarter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, not only the running—I mean, I, I consider the offensive line part of the running game, but th- it's got to be said. Ken Marsh played his ass off in the second half.
3: We we broke their spirit, man. We, we just mean, we, we just broke their spirit.
2: Look, it's like Marshawn Lynch said. When you hit somebody, when you hit a mother effer in the mouth over and over and over and over and over and over and over he's, he's going to drop eventually again. they just can't take it right he's going to drop eventually and Look. wave the white flag and give up the defensive line was one of Iowa State's strengths we talked about this yep, in yeah. the pregame we went after their strength in the fourth quarter when it mattered and we beat them yeah yep for sure yeah and that was your region
1: review scoring summary guys we we got to get a sponsorship for that
2: well, Regus, dude, Regus uh, capped it we, off. We I, need I a, love Billy's. We, we need a
1: sponsorship for the scoring summary.
2: I, I love Regus just punching it in at the end of the game. Billy just putting that. Extra, on fourth that and
3: goal. That top of that. Oh, that
2: little extra exclamation point. That was on fourth and goal. How do you not love that?
3: Yeah. Oh,
1: your stat leaders for Louisiana passing wise: Levi Lewis, thirteen of twenty one for one hundred and fifty four yards, one touchdown, average seven point three yards per pass attempt, QBR forty eight point nine. Your leading rusher for Louisiana, Trey Ragus, 14 carries, 49 yards, and a score. Elijah Mitchell also contributed eight carries for 46 yards. And, you know, there there was a moment where it was a little bit nerve-wracking there in the fourth quarter when Elijah Mitchell went down, uh, stayed down on the ground for a minute or two um, before getting on, getting up and walking off the field on his own power. According to Billy Napier this morning, he's fine. Nothing yeah. to
2: worry
3: about. He, he got back up pretty quickly, too, in the game. He got popped though. He, up. he did. Up. But it's, it was scary for, like, 30 seconds. I'm like, oh, I thought up. it was targeting. Yeah. That's I, like, I mean, seriously, that, if you go back and
2: watch the game, he went low, and it was late.
1: That That's kind of like yesterday, Michael Thomas. Yeah. Michael Thomas walked off the field at the end of the Saints game limping. I texted my dad, and I quote, that limping shit is not allowed. <laughs> yeah. Well, it scares <laughs> people. That's not allowed. Uh,
2: we need him for
3: sure. Yeah, it scares people.
1: Uh, and your leading receiver for the Cajuns is New Iberia's own Peter LeBlanc. Five catches, 82 yards, and a score. Obviously, 78 of that 82 came on one play. The dagger. Yeah. But, you know, the stat line still looks good.
3: That was my turning point. And then
1: your leading tackler for the Cajuns, Lorenzo McCaskill, 10 total, four solos, and half a tackle for a loss. But Farad Gardner was really the, the stat line stuff for nine tackles, six solo, one sack, and one tackle for a loss. He also had two hurries. On Brock Purdy. He was everywhere. For Iowa State for the Cyclones, Brock Purdy, 16 of 35, 145 yards. He averaged 4.1 yards per pass attempt. (laughs) Fun fact that is the lowest that his pass, his yards per attempt has been since his freshman debut against Texas three years ago. Wow. Sucked. He also threw one interception for a QBR of
2: 26.6. He, he, he actually he threw two interceptions, but Braylon dropped the first one. Well,
1: yeah, I, I was not going to talk about that. Sorry. Anyway. Brees Hall, leading rusher, twenty carries, one hundred and three yards, and a score. Noangu also had seven carries for twenty one yards and a score. Leading receiver, like we said earlier, Xavier Hutchinson, four catches for forty three yards. Their leading tackler was Greg Eisworth with six. That guy is good. He's good. He's physical, man. The Bailey brothers, Jaquan and Josh, not sure which one is which. One had five, one had four.
2: Uh, Jaquan's three, right? Yeah. Number three? Yeah, he, he's the end. Yeah. Um, um, they, they were both sick. Like, their ja- athleticism is ridiculous. Jaquan
1: had five, Josh had four. Yeah. So, twin brothers, both playing on the D-line at
2: Iowa State. I was impressed with that defensive line. Not not too shabby for the Bailey family. Especially, I mean, a lot of times, they were rushing three. I mean, they, they put some pressure.
3: Especially team, on the outside.
2: Yep. Team
1: statistics fairly quickly first downs for the Cajuns 14 Iowa State 18 third down efficiency the Cajuns were 6 for 14 Iowa State was 7 for 16 fourth down efficiency for the Cajuns 1 for 1 Iowa State 1 for 3 total yard for the Cajuns 272 303 for the Cyclones 154 of the Cajuns was passing 118 rushing for the Cyclones 145 passing and 158 rushing Yards per rush for the Cajuns only 3.4, definitely a concern heading down the stretch. I don't know. I don't know if you lean that more to a great defensive performance by Iowa State. I'm I'm not sure. I guess you know time will tell. But uh, 4.4 yards per rush for the Cyclones. Two penalties for the Cajuns. I like the discipline. Sure. Uh, two. And they let only, them play a little bit. Only two penalties for 22 yards. Iowa State three penalties for 24 yards. I mean hell. The first flag wasn't thrown until halfway through the second quarter,
3: almost so. halftime. Yeah, yeah,
1: it, yeah, it, it was, was the Percy. It was the close. Percy Butler pass interference.
2: The yeah. sign of two good teams.
1: Time of possession: Louisiana twenty-seven forty-one, Iowa State thirty-two nineteen. So I was wrong because I said I hammered all last week that the Cajuns
2: had to dominate time of possession to win the game. Well, it felt like Iowa State had the ball for forty-five minutes. Well,
3: and it goes back to, but we we had to dominate time of possession to stop their offense. Which the defense did for us last week, <laughs> so dominated. This, it was a little bit of a switch, right? Win right. the time of possession to keep their offense off the field, but we didn't have to worry about that because the defense probably played the best game in school history the other day. So yeah,
2: up there.
1: Let, let's dive into the fan reaction, uh, guys. You know, the three of us being fans, we have a lot of friends that are fans. What was what was the reaction for the fan base?
2: My favorite thing is seeing everybody from around the country, whether they be alumni or former players, or just about, you know friends that you've lost touch with over the years. Anybody that's connected to the program in any way. How about Miss Lucy Logan? Oh, I mean, she's always spectacular. I love Miss Lucy. I mean, she's excellent. But you know, like guys like Pee Wee, that's been out of football a while, or you know Peanut, or I mean, look, dude, every single time that I would log on to whatever social site I was looking at, it was. Umpteen messages about proud to be a Cajun, proud to be a Cajun. Ha- guys I haven't talked to in years sending messages, uh, you know, personal messages to me and, you know, people talking about the pod, which was great. But, you know, look, when you win and you're relevant, people want to be a part of that. So the fan reaction across the country was just <laughs> was awesome to see.
3: Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I I reiterate what you just said, Josh, whether it's Twitter, my my own Facebook, I mean, the, the number of people that have commented, not just after the game, but during the game, people were really watching the game, they were getting into it. You know, if there was a missed call, they complained, if they scored a touchdown, oh my gosh, touchdown. And I actually put a Facebook uh, post after the game for the first first time in over 20-something years, the Cajuns beat a ranked team. I got over 100 likes. Like The the number of people that have reacted to it, the number of people that paid attention and watched the game, the number of people that just really just wanted to be a part of it was unbelievable. Um, You can tell there's been a a huge, huge um, hype around town these past few days. People are talking about it in town. I mean, it's all over. Like, you go look at some of the local news uh, stations and when they tweet out or put a Facebook status of the Cajuns being in the top 25, the number of people that have liked it and have commented, oh, go Cajuns. Look, I got LSU friends that congratulated me. I got friends from Same. Ohio. I got a buddy from Mississippi. I got friends from all over the country calling and texting me, going, "Hey, man, great win! Great job for the Cajuns, man! The Cajuns, you got, you guys got a good football team." I mean, it's 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 just unbelievable to be. It's crazy being the center of attention because last week, really, we were the center of attention in the college football world. That's it's it's still hard to imagine. You it's can't buy believe that. that. Can't buy that. Well, that's what I told Kayla. I told my wife that. You can't, buy, you can't buy free publicity for that. You know, I've always said, you know, college athletics is outside of, like, an Ivy League school. College athletics is your number one marketing tool next to your academics. And so, you know, when your team is doing this on national TV, you come on right after college game day. CP3 picks you to win. He's the one guy that picks you to win. By the way, shout out to Chris Paul. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Did you hear
2: a story about how he trained down in Lafayette? Yeah,
3: back in 2010. I remember I was a student there. But, you know, I mean, when you get that type of attention and then your game comes on right after college game day, you're on prime time, 11 a.m. kickoff, and you dominate the game and you win. And this is coming off all of the hype that Iowa State has. You know, being the Big 12 favorite and being the, the dark horse of the college football playoff. And you and you beat them pretty handily. Oh,
2: look, in the second half, there was no question. Yeah. We were a better team.
1: Look, I'm going to ask you guys to banter for a little while because I'm scrolling through Twitter trying to find the highlights of, you know, national reaction. Here's one that I found from a guy by the name of Chris Jolly. He is a federal contractor, and he's the owner of NovaHoops.com. So I'm assuming he's a Villanova fan. Mm-hmm. Sure. This is, this is what he had to say. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns back in the AP football poll for the first time since 1943. My medulla ablamgata says we going to the bourbon ball, baby. Oh,
3: God.
2: I know he's trying to be funny. I don't like that kind of shit, though. Oh, that, that's hilarious. See, well, speaking about that, right? We've, we have won. We, it's over. It's done. Put it to bed. Kneel in the coffin. We have won the name battle. It's over.
3: Well, it's funny because there were big debates yesterday about it. It's, For it's idiots always, on Twitter. It's always the same fans, the idiots The idiots on Twitter, people.
2: which is not real life, by the way. But not a single Lafayette on ESPN, not a single Lafayette on Fox, not a single e- uh, Lafayette on CBS, every single program that I tuned into post-game, Louisiana, 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 we are here, we're here to stay, we're Louisiana but, Region Cajuns. But
1: you know what graphics package still showed ULF yet
2: today? What? The SEC network. Of course they will because LSU, is own, LSU but owns but the SEC. But they're ESPN. But they're ESPN. I know, but no one, who cares about those bastards? I know what I'm going to get from the mistake on the Mississippi, okay? I, I'm not worried. I, I, I have, that's one of those things where I'm just going to go ahead and I'll throw it in the trash can. I'm not even worried about it. Those clowns can't stand for another state school to have anything – Nice.
3: Well, the reality is, is that they prioritize, and not all of them, because look, I got family, I got friends over there. But the ones who go on Twitter and complain, I'm like, you, you just want a national title, you you got all these things going for you, and you're worried about us. Like, like, why, why are you wasting your time? And then you then on the and then on the other cheek and tongue, you complain about, well, I don't give our Cajun fans don't like us. Well, because you're doing stuff like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, how, if you want to if you want to earn respect, you got to give it, and if you're gonna act like that. I mean, even their own fans on, the, like, on some of the, the message boards that I've seen, when they found out that we were ranked, most of them were complimenting us. And, like, the one or two couillons who were on there making comments, even their own fans were getting on them like, guys, let them enjoy their moment. Like, this these is are, good these, for the
2: state. Listen, there's something called little dick syndrome. Heyo, LSU A&M fans possess the largest population of little dicks in America. There's a little bit up in Ruston also. But look, yikes! It's true.
3: I mean, what are you so worried about, little Sunbelt school in Lafayette? What you worried about? Yeah, but most of those people never step foot on an LSU's campus outside of a game. There's a difference between like the ones that went there and the ones that like give money and stuff. The ones that actually are knowledgeable that I talk to. They're all comp they're all complimentary. I have got You both. got the loudmouths on, on on Twitter the that's they, they they put their little purple and gold background and half of them don't even can't name you a building on campus outside of Tiger Stadium. Can't spell it that's where, you know
1: Here's another interesting tidbit. It's an article. Uh Max Olson of The Athletic wrote an article. Four takeaways from this past Saturday in college football. Number one, Sunbelt Saturday. And I will read a small excerpt from this section of the article. It says the athletic directors at Texas, Baylor, and Kansas should probably go into the office Sunday morning and start making some phone calls. (laughs) They need to get ahead of a potentially big problem. They all have Sunbelt teams on their 2021 schedules. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Texas does. Nobody
1: nobody had a better Saturday than the Sunbelt. Billy Napier in Louisiana pulled off the first top 25 upset of the season at number 23 Iowa State, Arkansas State, Sun, Kansas State, and Coastal Carolina held off. Kansas, Billy Napier in Louisiana got us started with their 31 to 14 win in Ames. As we pointed out a month ago, the Raging Cajuns should be one of the top 25 best teams still playing this fall. Oh
2: yeah, now everybody's on the bandwagon. They're like, oh yeah, we pointed
1: it out. They were and, good, and ah, they sure get out of here. And they sure looked like it on Saturday. This next AP poll, which will remove all the Big Ten and Pac-12 teams who postponed their season, ought to be quite friendly towards Napier's squad after its showing against the Cyclones. The difference in Ames on Saturday came down to two special teams touchdowns and a plus-two turnover margin. It's very hard to lose a game with both of those advantages. Napier squad got the key stops in the second half and dominated late on the ground with an 11-play, 7-minute touchdown drive to finish it off. For the Raging Cajuns, it meant so much more than a win over a ranked Power 5 foe. In their first game since the death of assistant coach DJ Looney, they came together and pr- produced a very inspired effort. What up, Freak? So, yeah, I mean, obviously national attention around this game. But, guys, you know, one, one thing that I'd like to spend some time on, and, you know, we, we've, this episode's kind of gone a little bit longer than maybe I planned, but I, I want to spend some time on the reaction in Ames.
2: Before we move on to Iowa State, I would like to ask your own personal quick stories about watching the game and understanding, like, whoa, holy shit, we might do this. Go ahead, you.
3: Okay. Um, well, I was watching at home with my wife. Uh, we were at the house and uh, on the couch. And um, I, I, told, I told Kayla, I was like, I can't go anywhere else because this is one of those games there's going to be a lot of high emotions because this is a game against a ranked team that we can actually win. And it's the first time I've said that in a while where I felt confident that we had a legitimate shot to pull this off. Um, a lot of uh, other games were just wishful thinking. I just thought we belonged. And... The first half, I mean, Josh, I called you at halftime, venting. We vented to each other on some of the mistakes we made in the first half.
2: Mostly about the offensive plan.
3: Right, the offensive game plan, getting too cute, but then just missing the field goal and everything like that, killing our own (laughs) momentum. Yes. And then all of a sudden in the second half, you get these huge sparks with the punt return, the kick return. Then you take the lead. Now you're up 24-14. And, I mean, for each touchdown, I mean, I was was doing the tweets on on the Rage Review Twitter and trying to keep up, but – for, I I would have to catch myself screaming because I was just so subconscious of it whenever we would score a touchdown, whether it was a long pass to Pete, Chris Smith returning the kickoff, Eric Garock returning the, the, the punt. I would just catch myself screaming, go, 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 and just screaming and make a, making a fool of myself. My dog's freaking out. And, of course, Kayla's excited too, but it just... I was prancing back and forth in, like, the last five minutes behind yep. my couch, walking back and forth, like... I, for some reason... That CDS just kicked in. Like, I just felt in the back of my mind, like, I just hope we don't do something stupid to blow this game. It's not for, it's not for some reason, dude. I mean, we have done this so many times that it's just it, second nature.
2: 20, 2012 in Florida kept coming to my
3: mind. Well, that, right, exactly. It wasn't until the final two minutes. Illinois, when,
2: Kentucky, Florida. I could go
3: if, over Kentucky's Kentucky's another one. It yeah. wasn't until the, the guys, like Mike Golick, was it, was yeah. talking about Matt Campbell not calling a timeout. That's when it hit me, like, He's letting They're us They're giving win. up. They're giving yep. up. We're going to win this. I'm like, and I told that to Kiel. I said, babe, we're going to win this game. And my dad even texted me, we're going to do it. Because I mean, my dad and I have been to many games where we were like the laughingstock of the country at, years ago. And to finally say, we're going to actually pull this off. I mean, and that's when I text you. I'm like, dude, I'm coming over. Like, we're, we're Well, here's,
1: here's, here, here's my thing. You know, I watched it on my phone from work because, you know, duty calls, obviously. Sure. Uh, I have a cracked phone screen now. (laughs) Why is that Matt? When Chris Smith took off on his touch on his kickoff return, I got excited, jumped out my chair, and forgot that my phone was on my lap.
3: (laughs) You know it happens. It happens. Subconsciously like, cheery, Right. Like hey, me. Yeah. You know, I, I get it. That's it, what those you will know, do, man.
1: That that that's why there's things called mobile insurance. <laughs> so Thirty dollars get you a brand new phone at the end of the week. Hey, yeah. So, you know, it, it it is what it is. But, you know, I'll I'll say this, at the end of the game, I got incredibly emotional. And I'm gonna tell you why. You guys, obviously I I y'all understand when I say I have been a Cajuns fan for as long as I can remember. And I'm gonna try not to get choked up even Doing this. But you guys, you know, you you guys were around for the AM game. Mm-hmm. You guys were around for big moments. Although the team as a whole was not very good, there were big moments in those years. Sure. Yeah. So you guys realized that there was always a little bit of potential in this program. For as far back as I can remember, there was zero potential. It was three and nine, four and eight. If you were lucky, you went five and seven you know the the best years up until Mark Hudspeth six six. was was the last two years that Ricky Bussell went 6 and 6 and we got snubbed out of a bowl game right. right i mean that that was you know i I was sitting there on my couch you know 10 11 years old going oh my god we had a great year <laughs>
2: right. we went
1: 500 oh, you, yeah. you, you and a like lot of other people I, I remember that so you know to to see and god just in the short amount of time cuz i mean and i don't want to discredit anything from what hud was able to do here Hud put this program on the map.
2: Make no mistake about it. Hudspeth did a lot to get us here. Hud put
1: this program right. on the map.
2: He
3: showed, he showed us it's possible to win. Right.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: He made Lafayette believe.
3: Yeah.
1: And then, you know, obviously after the four New Orleans bowls, we went four and eight. We went six and seven. And then we five went and five and there. seven again. Billy Napier, in just two years in a game, has done more for this football program than anybody ever before him than anybody ever before him at forty one years old,
3: and you know it really all it takes is a, you know well, commitment here here's
1: here's what it takes it takes commitment from the administration it takes yeah right a, more more than commitment from commitment. the fan base or the players or whatever. The administration yeah. is crucial. If you don't have an athletic director and a university president that's willing to buy in with you, right. you have nothing. You have nothing. So, I mean, as much as we credit Billy Napier, oh, my God, he's turned this program around. Brian Maggard and Joseph Savoie. Yeah. I mean, we couldn't do it without
2: them. I've said it. I'm on record. T. Joe Savoy saved athletics at this program. Uh, I'm just telling you. Love them, hate them, I don't care. Uh, yeah. The the guys... Nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to make different decisions. You know, we don't all agree on everything. Different strokes for different folks. Raging
1: Cajuns football would not be number 19 in the country today
2: if it wasn't for Joseph Savoy. Without anybody in that building. There's a lot of people that have played a, a huge role in where we are today.
3: I just think, though, even with Dr. Savoy, it just shows you, even if he showed a little commitment, and look, nothing against the former president before him, but... You know, when when you when you don't have money to recruit, I mean, you saw the athleticism of our players. You saw you see the talent our team has. Without recruiting them, you right. need money to recruit these and, guys. And and you
1: know here, here I'll, I want to go back. To, you need to you your... need money
3: to build facilities, right? Yeah, yeah. they At athletic performance center. We don't get those athletes without things like those. Absolutely. The president
1: approves all that stuff. I
3: mean, yeah, well, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like, yep. you have to have a commitment to say, let's spend money on these things. That's right.
1: And you know, I want to go. I want to go back to your comment about the former president. You know. God, God rest his soul. Oh, sure, absolutely. But but doc, Dr. Autumon didn't give a
2: damn about athletics. Well, he did. In a lot of ways, he actively tried to kill athletics. Right. He 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 didn't give a damn.
3: Well, I I, I don't I, I wouldn't say it wasn't that he gave a damn. I think it was just more of the fact that he came in right after the death penalty in the seventies. Sure. And so every little thing that happened, granted, he granted,
1: was, granted, the job, the job was buried ten feet in the ground, and he had to dig himself out. I, and I you agree see, with you.
3: Experiencing all that, I of it agree him, with And you. I'm not saying it was okay, but that mindset and that trauma that he dealt with with that made him not paranoid. but I mean, worried for everything moving
1: forward. The, the three of us can agree that our men's basketball program is still to this day
3: it's recovering still from it's the not, death penalty. It's not. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is. For every so for example with Dr. Ottawa, for every time athletics tried to spend something, he always always he was very frugal about it because he didn't want money. He always wanted to be tra- he always wanted transparency with that. Where's the money going? Because of what happened with basketball. He didn't want money going in the wrong hands and then have to face another issue. Now I'm not saying that doesn't no no that doesn't mean that he might not he might have overstepped his boundaries sometimes on it. I mean, every any fan who knows knows. And but but to see now, you know, with, with Dr. Savas showing he's committed to athletics, to seeing what Dr. Maggard has done, I mean, <sighs> the, it's like the SEC came to, to UL. I mean, a man who was the right-hand man of a, a team that not only was at an SEC school, was in the middle and played a huge role in getting that school into the SEC, is now leading our program. When you have that kind of leadership, the, the sky's the limit. Look at the hires he's made. I mean, he hired Billy Napier.
2: T.J.O. hired Brian Maggard just you well, did, there.
3: but I'm just saying, like from an administrative standpoint, whether it's Dr. Savo or Dr. Maggard, when you have that type of vision and you have that type of 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 motivation to say, okay, I see athletics here. Why it's to where important? It, was, it makes a difference, and you that the other day was just a small product of that. Yeah, and hopefully, moving forward, we can we can see more of that as this season goes on.
2: So the way that I watched the game was uh, I stayed in our TV room, and you know, you guys know. We bought some. Uh, we added two members to our family. Some uh, some Aussie Aussie shepherds, and they are great. Yeah. And 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 they have taken up residence in my TV room. Can
1: can but before you continue, I'm sorry. I'm just on this. I'm on this topic. Can we make a Dogs of Region review album on Twitter? I'm down. And just post pictures of our dogs. I'm down. Hey, can we do yeah. that? We should do that. I think I think the fan base would love that. Well,
3: Finn was wearing his Raging Cajun scarf, the handkerchief, the other day. I need to go get Remy. Hanna. I
2: need to go get Remy a Raging Cajuns jersey. What we Apparently, need to do? The bookstore what we need to do is let the Wags run that. We can have their its own Twitter site for, and the Wags can run. dogs dogs of Raging Review. You all know what Wags are, right? Wives and girlfriends. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. Wives and girlfriends are wags. That's a golf term. Uh, So so anyway, the dogs are taking up residence in the TV room, and I'm hooping and hollering, and they're barking, and it's just total chaos. Uh, I'm cussing at the TV, and Catherine's walking in like, what are you doing? I was like, I can't help myself. I'm sorry. I apologize in advance. Dogs are still barking, biting shit. You know how it is. Uh, God, it's just fun, man. It's just fun to be a fan. It's fun to be relevant. It's fun to watch... Some team, some program, something that you've been invested in for 30, 35, however many years. You know, you go from sitting in the rain watching the toothpick run our program into the ground. And, uh, you know, you grow up a little bit and you see what Billy Napier has done. And it's the toothpick days made yesterday so important and so damn wonderful just I don't even have I still don't have the words yeah
1: no no question about it region review we're going to take one more break and when we come back we're going to talk about Patrick Tony's performance in his defensive coordinating debut we're going to talk about the Napier offensive game plan we are going to talk about the freshmen that stood out and how the Cajuns played shorthanded and we will round up the Sunbelt Conference from week two in college football all that and more on region review stay tuned we'll be right back
0: Awardmaster, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Awardmaster creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rage and Review You trust Awardmasters for all of their needs, and you will too. Awardmasters is so much more than just an award shop. Give Awardmasters a call today, 337-984-1414, or go to awardmaster.com. Awardmaster, the recognition and personalization experts. Think you're saving money by booking your trips on those travel sites? Think again. Our friends at Escape Reality Travel Agency can customize your trip hassle-free and, in many cases, for less money. Escape Reality Travel Agency offers service before, during, and after the trip. That ensures a top-notch experience for you and your family. Owners Shaden Haney and Chrislyn Vollenwider pride themselves on providing personalized service and expert guidance for every traveler. Whether domestic or international, the planning process will be painless. Maybe you're looking for a park or resort-style family getaway. With Escape Reality, you can focus on the fun and let them do the work. Perhaps you're looking to attend a raging Cajuns road game. No problem. Escape Reality can help. Just visit them on the web at yourescapefromreality.com or call 337 281 1801. PSC Supply and Hardware, locally owned since 1987, is the official hardware store, the Range and Review podcast. PSC is Louisiana's oldest dealer of Traeger grills and one of two platinum dealers in the state. PSC is your barbecue headquarters, carrying BK and Weber grills, Blackstone products, and the largest selection of barbecue seasonings in South Louisiana. Do you need propane? On sale every Saturday. What about pellets for your electric smokers? That's on sale every Saturday, too. Come see what Kelly and the gang out at PSC Supply and Hardware, 1014 Albertson Parkway in Broussard, or call 337-837-2811. Check out their website, pscsupply.com.
1: Rage review. Welcome back, Matt Megas, Jerry Abair, and Josh Jagno here with me as well, guys. You know, we, we kind of touched on it earlier on in the episode. Let's talk about the reaction to the game in Ames. You know, outside of outside of the program. You know, specifically, I would I would like to touch on the comments made by Cyclone Fanatic. Uh, you know, great guys, obviously Jared, Chris. You know. They were they were gracious enough to they were awesome. come on our pod and oh, then have have me join them, but post game,
2: understandable when you get your ass whooped. I I get it. I I I do. How do really do? However, you they you, do. I want to
1: use the word disrespectful.
2: No, no, I, no. I ain't gonna go all there. No, I don't think it was disrespectful. But I think it was inaccurate
1: so so just just a few of the the comments that I've heard in their two reaction episodes that they have done well their reaction and their recap we weren't very good just okay is what I heard we were schematically nothing special offensively
3: or defensively
1: all the way around nah, nothing nah, special okay yeah no. um our offensive game plan was quote vanilla I don't disagree. I don't disagree with that. I'll give and them that. We'll, we'll get into I it. I don't disagree with that. Um, I and agree then with that. and then they ran off the list of excuses. Well, you know, Brock Purdy's rusty. We miss Ch- Charlie Kolar. Trevor Downing went down in the second quarter. You know, we don't have fans in the building. We always start slow in September. Blah, blah, blah. Basically, they had the mentality that if this game was four weeks later,
2: it would have been a different story. No fans in the stands.
3: Maybe, but it wasn't. It wouldn't have been a different story then. Well, at this point, I mean, look, they should have been ready. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, They, no, they should
1: have been prepared. Literally, one of their writers that was in the building said that it felt like a practice, that Iowa State treated it like a practice. Well, guess what? I, I'm going to say it. Guess what, numb nuts? That's your coach's fault. We didn't treat it like
3: a practice, and we won the game. That's
1: that's your coach's fault. Your coaching staff didn't get your boys ready to play.
3: You know, surprisingly for me. Plain and simple. Surprisingly for me, I went on Cyclone Fanatics fan forums, and not to revel, but just to see what they're saying because of the expectations. Now, I do want to read off a few things for you guys, but before I do, I will say most of them, they, they were actually before the game nervous. And they knew the type of potential. Well, we they had. damn well should have been. But but also they were like, man, we always start off slow in September, and the problem is this is this Louisiana team is no slouch. They're not they're not Northern Iowa, so we better not you know yeah. slag off. We knew that. But after the game, a lot of them were like, not. It seemed like they weren't surprised. Like it seemed like they were just kind of like, well, you know, well, we lost the game, but man, I hey, I just hate being hype up this team, and we always find a way to disappoint. And I was kind of like. Man, do y'all have a tradition of like well, being well, disappointed more than us? Well, like, well, the thing is, is that in in Matt Campbell's
1: tenure at Iowa State, I mean, they're they're not wrong. They start but. Straight. With he's, that said, he, he's he's two and three in season openers, and two of those season openers have been against FCS Burger. And should have lost to
2: Northern Iowa last year. Right.
3: But with that said, and this is what's ironic about that, where they said they weren't surprised. Here are a few score predictions from Cyclone Fanatic going I, into this game. I can't wait. With
1: all all of now all of these were predicted. Wait, wait, let me let me get some let me get some music going. All right.
3: <laughs> all right. So just a few a few Iowa State Louisiana predicted scores going into last Saturday. Cyclones 42, Cajun 7. That's one. Eh. Cyclones 69, Cajun 7. That's two. Wrong. Cyclones 66, Cajuns 12. Fake news. Cyclones 49, Cajun 7. Ain't gonna happen. Cyclones 45, Cajuns 10. Get out of here! Cyclones 52, Cajuns 17. God, this is fun. Cyclones 54, Cajuns 21. Oh, God. And to and, top it off... Hold on. Oh, okay, no, there's one more? And, there's better one? There's one more. This is the best one. And to top it off, to top off the great Nostradamus predictions of the Cyclone Nation, Iowa State Cyclones were going to win this game by a score of 70 70- to seven. There's always an okay. idiot. There's always and a I, idiot. I quote the great
1: British game show host, <laughs> Mrs. Anne Robinson. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> Man,
2: it's, it, so, this is, it that, like. 7, so really? this is what it feels like. That's ridiculous.
3: Seven to seven.
2: So this is what it feels like. What, to be on the positive end of... Well, oh, to go back and laugh at everybody from oh. predicting
1: ridiculous oh, stuff. Oh, my gosh.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, um. Yeah, I mean, guys... Offensively, I will I will be the harshest critic. Offensively, plain and simple, we weren't good.
3: We, we struggled. Weren't. We struggled. Yeah, we weren't. And that's and, that, that, and that
1: and that's a that's a testament to Iowa State's defense. I we get just comments that. We, yeah. Couldn't, yeah. we couldn't yeah, I agree we couldn't with get that. our game plan going.
3: Yeah.
1: Defensively and on special teams, we were the best team in the country on
3: Saturday. You can't I mean we got a helmet sticker for it.
1: We were the best team in the country. Was
3: it college post game or whatever? Yeah, Matt, Matt
1: Barry gave us a helmet we sticker. got a helmet
3: sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Matt was... Barry likes us. <laughs> well,
2: well, I like, so. I like Matt Barry. Well, I like Matt Barry too. Let me say this, okay? Iowa State is a fledgling power in the Big Twelve for sure. Th- they've just started learning how to win, and I'm sure. Look, even our fan base has to learn how to win. And, and let me say this: Stansbury was phenomenal. Good guy. Seemed like a good guy. Uh their fan base overwhelmingly nice about how it went down. They were complimentary. Uh I don't really have a lot to say. I I am a Iowa State fan for the rest of the year. Um they oh. were good enough to answer the call like I said. They were you know their podcast guy you know Cyclone Fanatic guys were good enough to get us on and and have some banter and that was great and we always appreciate that. So my comments are not directed at Jared or any of his of his people, with the exception of maybe the Williams guy, but to get on a podcast after you get your ass thoroughly kicked and say the team was, quote, OK, that they were schematically nothing impressive, that there's 50 reasons why uh, it should have been different. Look, uh, we had covid, too. We suffered a, a, a death in our family over the offseason. We have injuries, too. Five in the wide receiver core. We have inexperience, too. We replaced NFL linemen on each side of the ball. Uh, we, can, we had to go on the road. We scheduled you three weeks ago. You treated it like a practice? Who the hell's fault is that?
3: That's what I said. Yeah.
2: So I don't want to hear your shit. Look, Charlie Kohler went down. He's probably the best tight end in the country. I understand that. That's a big loss. Our tight end, first of all, our tight end room wasn't at 100%. And the guy that we relied on didn't show up. Dropped two passes. Johnny, I love you, but you had a tough game. It is what it is. I'm going to say what needs to be said. Uh, we, we, we've played shorthanded on the defensive line. Two of our top three defensive linemen didn't show up because they were injured. I, I can go down the list. We went on the road as a significant underdog, double digit. And we punched you in the mouth. You need to sit in it, stew in it, and take it. You got your ass whipped. In the second half, it was a a walkover. 24 unanswered points. You guys are a P5 Big 12 school. People are picking you to win the Big Big 12. You got flat out run over by the Louisiana Raging Cajuns in the second half. (laughs) There's no excuse. There's no reason. Okay? we kicked your ass?
1: That's it. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I sent this to you earlier. Iowa State Athletics posted on their Facebook page. They're doing a a contest thing, I guess, called Proven Moments in Cyclone Football History. And at the bottom of it, it asks for you to comment your favorite. And I win it.
3: <laughs>
1: I said, maybe the game where a Sunbelt school came to your house, stole your money, kicked your ass, and left. Hashtag Go Cajuns. Look,
2: for the is, genius, is, is that not exactly what happened on Saturday? Look, anytime I get paid to win a game, I'm thrilled. But for somebody to say that schematically they were nothing impressive or nothing special, Patrick Tony absolutely dominated an NFL first-day pick with NFL-quality receivers, at least one, and a, a top Big 12, Power 5 offensive line. Patrick Tony's plan was impeccable. And we can move into Patrick yeah, Toney's I mean, we, spot. Well, we, can, got, we can talk for an hour on Patrick Toney. i got a lot to
3: say about that.
2: Well, yeah. I'll get it started. Patrick Tony took a Sunbelt team in with guys that are two- and three-star recruits. Some were given up on. Some weren't given a chance. We turned them into football players. And they went up man-v-man man all day long. And you know what they did? They shut down the Iowa State. I don't know what they scored last year. Something like 37 points a game. Top three offense, I think, in the Big 12. Shut them down. 99 total yards of offense.
3: In the second half. That's insane.
2: Zero points in the second half. Insane. 99 yards in the second half. Total shuttage. If you don't think that has something to do with schematics, you don't know what you're looking at.
1: And our offense also put up 24
3: unanswered. Well, it goes to show you, It, it first of all, it complements the athletes we have. But, I mean, other than, like, Central Florida and Boise State, especially... Like you said, you're going up against one of the most prolific offenses in not only the Big 12, but maybe country. the country. Yes. You have an NFL quarterback that's leading your charge, and you go man on him. Do you know how hard that is for any G5 school to pull off? It's impossible, Jerry. It gets that's better. the point. The mindset of Patrick Tony and his defense wasn't only the fact that they did it. It was, okay, we're going man on you. We're going to blitz you. Because here's the thing, a Be lot us. of times if you blitz... You always leave a guy open. Yes. So we blitz him. We play man on him. Hey, ball's in your court. How many times do you see a team like Louisiana, and we've watched I
2: umpteen times, go into a, a, a situation like that and play reserved or scared? I don't like to use the word scared, but you play, play soft reserved.
3: Self-coverage, yeah. Coverage, you don't
2: yeah. want to get beat. You want to yeah. keep everything in front of you. Patrick Tony said, no, 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 no. We're going to attack you. And we're going to attack you over and over, and we're going to do it for four hours, beat Well, me. you know, we, we, we saw it Saturday,
1: too, but on the offensive side of the ball. Oh, sure. But I just... I, th- I, I think... I I, I,
2: I, I I could see that. I thought I mean, the comment was just so... Right. asinine to I, say absolutely. schematically... We were nothing special. special. Yeah. Dude, the defensive line whooped their offensive line's ass over and over and over all day long. Our shutdown corners on the outside took everything away. Cam Solomon and Camba Desclu in the middle were absolutely absurd. I, they were not prepared
3: for our speed on defense. I don't care what anybody says. Here's what's important with Brock Purdy. And, and look, he's a great quarterback. I hope he turns it around for our sake because I want them to win every game from oh, yeah. now on. Go Cyclones. But here's the thing. When NFL scouts start looking at his film and his draft stock, whether it goes up or down, they're going to look at the pros. They're going to look at the, the good things he's done. But they're going to look at film and say, okay, where does he struggle? That game film from Saturday where he gets happy feet every time he gets pressure and he's throwing the ball off his back foot out of bounds – they're gonna use that game film and say, okay, now where's his cons? Where is his where are his weaknesses? Yeah. And when you're able to when 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 the, the UL defense becomes the guinea pig of that, it's a compliment to what Patrick Tony did and the game plan that this defense set up. They're gonna the NFL scouts are gonna use that film and say, What are his weaknesses? I mean, you couldn't ask for a bigger compliment. Right. To the UL defense and a coach Patrick Tony and his staff. I mean, that was just unreal. With the
2: exception of two, maybe three plays that I can remember off the top of my head, our guys were in position on every snap. For sure. Oh, yeah. 100%. Every one. Switching, switching side. Wait, you have more to say? Oh, man, I could
1: talk about Patrick Tony all night. Switching to the offensive side of the ball, Nap- Napier's and Rob Sale's offensive plan, in my opinion, pretty conservative, pretty vanilla. Um... You know, the, the, the Cyclone Fanatic guys were not wrong there. And granted, I think a lot of that is a testament to the defensive performance of Iowa State. Yes. Not letting Levi Lewis and the running backs really get into a rhythm. But, you know, one thing, one thing I want to hound on is the fact that, although it makes us nervous, we never really tested the deep ball a whole lot. The one time we did, it worked.
3: He threw I mean, one earlier before that. It was overthrown. It yeah. was overthrown, but that was it. Yeah. That was it. So, so two plays. Yeah, that was we it. went
1: deep. We went went we went longer than twenty yards on a pass play. Yeah, like, <laughs> that was it.
2: Well, again, defensive line was in the backfield a lot.
3: Oh, I know. I'm sorry to cut you off, but another fun fact for the UL defense: Iowa State did not have a single play of twenty yards or more. Nineteen not,
2: yards was the longest play. Not, not a
3: single play of twenty yards or more.
2: This is a Big Twelve offense
3: that scores. <laughs> that yeah, <has> expectations.
1: So, <laughs> so I, I don't I don't know if that was just a. Hey, you know, let let's let's rely on the defense and hope we get lucky. I don't I don't know what we we, we can talk about it. I don't know what the game plan was the Billy Napier was really thinking. But God I hope it's different this
2: Saturday. You wanna go? You want me to go?
3: I think, you know, really he didn't do anything fancy outside of a few sweeps here and there to spread the field But out, that's okay. Out. But that's okay. Well, it's okay we don't get five-yard losses on him. I mean, it's okay when, when you're able to get something off of it. I, I do wish there were some times where we wouldn't lose so many so much yardage on some of those sweeps. But I do think that, I but mean, it, look, the, the main thing is for me, when I see that defense, they had a great front seven, okay? But I, I find that, like... Maybe it's just me, but I see that that Billy does a great job of knowing when to put Trey Ragus in. Yeah. Now, this last Saturday, uh, he ran mostly Chris Smith and Elijah Mitchell in those first three or four drives. And actually, the drive where they got 10 or 12 plays and missed the field goal after that turnover, Trey Regis got the ball three or four times. He got like 30 yards. And I'm like... Well why why wait now? And of course with Billy, what he likes to do is he likes to play Regus in the second half to wear the defense now, which he did in that last touchdown drive, but I'm like, Where's Regus? I mean Chris Smith, look, I love Chris Smith. But, you know, I don't know like I and I told you this at halftime, Josh, when we were talking, I still I think Chris Smith getting reps is great. I still get scared when he runs in between tackles right now. I'd rather him more in open field. I notice you, and of course, because he's still kinda young, I don't want him getting hurt. Elijah Mitchell's a lot more polished with that, but I kind of wish he would have used Regus a little bit more in the first half. Um, as far as split pass, passing goes, look, three or four passes were dropped, two or three passes were thrown behind the receiver tied in from Levi. That's something that you can fix. I think this is the week against Georgia State to do that, but as far as the passing play goes, it was typical passing game. I mean, throwing passes in the flat, throwing these slants. Levi threw a beautiful slant in the first couple drives. I think it was like third and seven, third, and eight, right down the middle to Jalen Williams. I love the fact that Williams really stepped up. I thought, you know, in that two-minute offense, everybody got a touch. Kyron Lacey got a touch. Elijah Mitchell got a touch. You know, I mean, um, Mr. Dancer guy got a touch. I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Pauly. Pauly. Mr. Pauly got a touch, Dancer guy. Guy can cut <laughs> some runs. Mr. Dancer, that's good. But, I mean, so, you know, I thought I thought it did. they did a good job on the two-minute offense. I just think there needs to be a little more consistency. Yeah. Sure. Throughout the 60 minutes against Georgia State and moving forward, more consistency on the play calling.
2: Uh, last thing on the defense, we got two takeaways. Yeah, for one sure. turnover, by, Actually, we got four because Turn, turnover on downs.
1: Plus, yeah, that, that doesn't count as a turnover, but yeah, but it sure. definitely is. So yeah. plus four. Plus, plus two <laughs> yeah. turnover
2: margin, two special teams touchdowns. It's almost impossible to lose the game. That's right. exactly right. So I just wanted to say that. And look, one, one thing we did, <clears throat> let me first say, I love Billy Napier. I love him so much. Oh, I would kiss him God. on the mouth if I could see him right now. <laughs> I love him. There's 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 a Billy trend. Denny. There's a trend. When we play these games, I don't know if we are trying to be the smartest guy in the room. Sean Payton just drives me nuts with that shit. The
3: reverse and all that. Uh,
2: and, and and look, Sean Payton's a great coach. We won a Super Bowl. He's been relevant for a long time, and that's fine, but He
3: does he does that stuff. Drives
2: life. me nuts. And I see a little bit of that in Billy. You know, we get too close. We want to try to trick somebody and, and be the smartest guy in the room. Uh, again, I see a trend, and, and I understand some of that stuff is set up plays, and maybe you put some of that stuff in your pocket for later in the game. I get all that stuff. Why are you running a jet sweep from the 7-yard line on second down? No. No. I'm sorry. Early in that game, why are you in 3rd and eight, third and 7 every single drive? You know Why? Because you're not turning around and giving it to your bull. I- I'm not okay with J- Trey Regus getting 11 carries for 44 yards. Trey Regis needs to get the ball 18 times a game. Every time he touches the football, he falls forward for two yards. I mean, seriously, dude. The first contact, there was, you know, the guys, Tom Hart even made the comment. Which, by the way, what the hell was Tom Hart doing with the LSU helmet in the back? Was that some kind of a joke? <laughs> Did you see that? With a stupid purple coat. Anyway, that's another thing. Uh, Damn. Every, I, I, I notice everything. Do you mean, did, did Tom Hart go to LSU? I don't know, but I don't like Does it. Does he have a tie to LSU? We're going to have to look that up. He's a jerk. Uh, we're falling forward two and three yards every time Regis touches the ball. Why are, we, why are we getting cute? I understand you want to stretch the defense. I understand you want to give them things to think about. Do that and drive one and two. I saw Johnny Lumpkin drop a pass early. I saw we had another dropped over. I, I don't. Was it Jalen that dropped the ball on the crossing route?
3: Hey, it was Lumpkin, huh? L- was- well,
2: Levi threw a ball behind Jalen and he dropped. It. I thought he sure. should have caught Pete. it. Either way, I expected there to be some rust on offense, especially in the passing game. I expected expected that. I have, a, I have a a little bit of concern where we're missing five yard slants and five yard crossing routes. That's about as easy as it gets. So, okay, game one, there's some rust, whatever. We're moving on from that, but that's concerning to a small degree. We didn't turn the ball over. That's always a plus. That's, you know, it's got to be mentioned. We did a good job holding on to the football. I want to see us run the ball. And, look, Iowa State was good. They were fast. They were athletic. They crashed in. I still want to take advantage of a three-man front. I still want to take advantage of a multi-front. If, you, if you're going to blitz a linebacker, find that, find that void. And again, if Johnny Lumpkin catches that ball, it probably changes a lot of things because you give them more of the field to cover. If we have a little more experience in the wide receiver core and we're not as injured, maybe there's more field to cover because you got guys that know what they're doing. I understand all that stuff, and it's week one. We're going to get better. That's the greatest thing about Saturday, folks. We didn't play well offensively, and we won. We're only going to get better. Amen. That's scary, actually, yeah. you think about it.
3: Yeah, I agree 100%. I said that you know, before. I mean, you know, and we talked about this off, off the air, but a Levi Lewis is not going to be okay with that performance. Sure. Uh, you know, a Peter LeBlanc and Elijah Mitchell, they're not going to be okay with that performance. And I guarantee you, going into Saturday or this coming Saturday, you're going to see some improvement. You know, we got a really smart coaching staff Got a very bright coaching staff. They're going to look at that film and they're going to see some kinks here and there and go, Ugh. oh, why'd we do that? Oh, man, look at that mistake. Oh, the tape's and not going to be pretty. It, no. And, and it goes to show you, like, like you said, you still win the game by 17. What, what if that offense would have played to their fullest potential? How, how ugly could that game have been? What if
2: they would have played a B-minus game? Yeah,
3: that too. There, yeah, that there's, too not, yeah. There,
2: there's not a more powerful tool than winning a game and then walking into the film room and having a ton to correct from a coach's standpoint. Because you got the result you wanted, you got your guys to buy in, you guys are believing, but you've got so much work to do the next mm-hmm. week. Especially going into a game like Georgia State, which we all think we should win the game, but if you show up with limited film to break down where there's negative plays or bad graded out position groups, that's where you kind of get caught in the trap.
3: Look, Tennessee thought it was going to be a cakewalk against Georgia State last year, and we all saw what That's happened. That's right. So I, <laughs> we're Tennessee now, technically, uh, going into this game.
2: I'm definitely afraid.
1: All right, Georgia guys, State. individual performance outside of the obvious for our Gardner, Chris Smith,
2: Trey that impressed you. Jerry. <sighs> Nobody at the top? I can tell you mine. Go ahead. Ashland Washington yeah. is going to play on Sundays. Sophomore, I believe, right? Yes. Yes. No, junior. junior. He's a junior. Is he a junior? He was a sophomore last year. Oh, man. That guy. That is one of the greatest Cajun cornerback shutdown performances that I have ever seen. That's not hyperbole, I'm telling you. There was a point in that game where I was only watching number 16. That's all I was doing. I'm watching that because he was so good it cool
3: When you look at the depth, I mean, last year he'd come in in cleanup time and he'd pick it off. He did one and had an interception in Ohio. He had more picks than Mike. I think than, he had, had an Mike. interception in Arkansas State. I mean, he'd come in in the second half. So for Mike,
2: and he had more picks than Mike. Yeah. Now, some of that's mop-up duty, and that's different. But still, dude, he was unbelievable.
3: Honestly, uh, you have any? Is that, so it was Ashton Washington for
2: Ashton Washington's for me.
3: For me, honestly, Reese Burns. The field position game. I mean, look. Huge. His, his punts. Even in our own territory, I mean, he would he would have. To, I mean, he'd have to he'd have to really boot it to to give Iowa State a tough tough uh, tough field position. But he flipped the field at least two or three times. Yes. Uh, especially in that one key drive where Ashlyn Washington picked it off. I mean, Reese punted it all the way to like the was seven yard line.
2: It was an excellent punt. He had several yeah. excellent punts.
3: I-, I thought. I mean, Reese Burns. I-, I I I cannot forget about Reese and his and what he did just playing the ball the other day i mean he's a huge asset on field when it comes to field position
2: absolutely percy butler percy man i know percy butler
3: he was a stud i love that guy i really stud. do i mean
2: i ju- really like him a lot ju- have just, have for a long time he
3: sniffs the ball well
1: just what? just a freak ball hawk you ever he, noticed he, that? he is he is everywhere is where the everywhere? ball is it's called it's instincts insane. he's got them he doesn't think he plays yeah. kids kids something else Guys, the, the position group that most surprised you, I'll start the secondary because I'm a kid you not, and I know that that's kind of cliche because we just talked about A.J. Washington and Percy Butler, but outside of the wide receiver injuries, the secondary was my biggest question mark coming into 2020 because let's be totally honest, we weren't all that great in the secondary last year. We lose, we lose one guy to the draft, we lose Deuce. We lost two guys, out, it was two two starters in our secondary. So, the secondary was one of my biggest question marks, and just the way that they came out and absolutely dominated the football game. I mean, guys, the, the I, fact I, that I was, Tony even
2: was confident enough to ask them to do
0: it. I I, should I tell you everything. To play, man.
1: Iowa State plays in the most dominant passing conference in the country, yeah. and they were the third best offense. Last year, with an NFL quarterback, and returned eight of those starters. Yeah. <laughs> returned crazy. eight of those starters. Insane. When
2: you man. say it out loud, it's just.
1: it's just. And the fact that they allowed ninety nine yards of total offense in the second half, zero points. Like guys, that that's the secondary. I mean, yeah, the defense, the defensive line put pressure, and the linebackers played well. But if it's not for the secondary shutting down those receivers. No telling what this game would have been.
2: How many times did Purdy roll out and
1: there was nothing?
3: Yeah.
1: Had I to scramble for five yards just to get something.
2: I mean, he, he barely had a three step drive.
1: How many, how many times did Purdy take off running
3: and then step out of bounds after four or five yards?
2: That was all secondary, dude. That was people being where they needed to
3: be. No doubt. And, and mine, look, Matt, you took mine. I, I, I was going to say the secondary. But I, I, because.
0: O line?
3: No. I thought, I mean, the O line played great in the second half. I gotta give credit, and I know you mentioned it, but the defensive line yeah. set a lot of that up. I mean, really, Brees Hall—he had 102 carries, but it t- I mean, 102 yards, but it took him 20 carries to get there, and maybe a few big runs.
1: Yeah. His his stat line wasn't pretty, and I don't want to steal this from you, but Taylor
3: Humphrey—we all knew. I mean, in like, the middle
2: of everything, like, we
1: all knew that was coming. But Taylon Humphrey
3: between there were sometimes we weren't even
2: sending a blitz package, and this was a right. D line
3: missing Zion Hill. That's
2: yeah, right. they a- they were and Nelson and Wilkerson. Right,
3: I understand. Look, I understand. Like we said, the the Iowa State offensive line coming in has had 144 starts to make up for. Right, but at the same time, you're still playing a a perennial Big 12 powerhouse offense with an NFL quarterback and a and a legitimate running back, and you're still putting enough pressure. Like I talked about that film with Brees Hall, he was throwing off of his back foot a lot because of the pressure on the on the three man front or the four man front that we play, to where. Even the run game, even every time they tra- outside of those two touchdown drives, they couldn't establish a run game. So, what would happen? You know, they run the first couple plays, it's third and six. Guess what? Ha- what do they have to call next? A pass play. And then all of a sudden, you got the Ballhawks in the secondary. So, to me, as well as a secondary play, and like I said, it, what they, I'll say they were my surprise, but because Madden mentioned it, I have to compliment the, the, the D line because they set that up. They set up the third and fives and the third and sixes for the secondary to do their job and get those three and outs or force those punt plays.
2: I think it was simpatico, man. I, I think that the secondary and the defensive line together was a work of art. Uh, you guys took mine. I was going to say defensive line. Well, the thing is, is I mean, I said it on the, on the preview. I, I thought the defensive line. I thought the game was going to be won against... Their offensive line, I thought that that was the key matchup. Our D line versus their offensive line replacing some of those mm. starters in that experience. But uh, if I had to say a second group, I'd say the offensive line. You know, we are replacing a ton on offensive line. And listen, I know we have a ton of talent. Talent doesn't necessarily mean anything. Talent is important, but it doesn't tell the tale. You have to show up when it's time to play and play.
3: Iowa State's got talent. Sure. <laughs> I mean, sure. Allstate's
2: got talent. So I want to give a big shout out to the offensive yeah. line, especially in the second half. We were more conditioned, we were in better shape, we were in my opinion better prepared. We knew our assignments. Look, some of those <laughs> in the fourth quarter, some of those holes we could have run through. I mean, it was total domination. So yeah, I mean, I you know offensive line was good, but I, I still like if I had to, if you guys wouldn't have answered, defensive line would. They they played well, and I expected them to play well, but they played so well. It surprised me that they really disrupted everything Purdy wanted to do.
1: I agree. Yeah, no, no question about it, guys. Um, you know the Cajuns played pretty shorthanded on Saturday, especially at defensive line and wide receiver. Uh, Eleven freshmen were in the game for Louisiana on Saturday. Well, what does this tell you about the future?
3: I mean, I see a guy like Kyron Lacey. I see a guy like Dante Fleming in the receiving corps. Um, you know, that was my biggest concern last week. I told you guys I was I was freaking out because of the youth in receiving core, But, you know, they, they held their own. I mean, for, for a first game on national TV against a Big 12 team, I mean, they held their own. And um, I think, believe it or not, this might be a blessing in disguise, especially at the receiver's position, that yes. these guys are getting reps. And when you start – and not to knock anything off of Georgia State or Georgia Southern or even App State or any teams ahead in the schedule, but, you know, the competition is going to go down just a smudge and you're going to give these guys reps. They're only going to get better. And so when it's time for the other guys to come back and these guys have reps, I mean, that's one thing Billy has done a fantastic job of doing. I mentioned it before. He plays everybody. Ever since he got here. Everybody gets reps. I mean, that's why – look, Ashland Washington, if he doesn't get reps last year, he might not play the way he did the other day. And that's where that's huge. When you have freshmen and you let them play, and you say, "Look, go out there and show them what you got," yeah. and you give you build confidence in those guys, they're going to want to perform for you. And that's what I saw. I mean, you know, I, I really didn't. Like I said, the receiving core stuck, stuck out to me the most, just because I mean they're so depleted right now with injuries. Right. But again, the Dante Flemings of the world and the Kyron Laces of the world getting those reps are huge.
2: And I mean, huge. for the future, it bodes well for the future <laughs> up and down the lineup or up and down the roster. You go out and play a game against a good opponent. You are successful. You build confidence. If somebody goes down within the season when you get your starters back, you've got game time under their belt. You know that these are high, you know highly regarded recruits that we brought into the program. They've already got playing time in, in a big situation. Shit. The sky's the limit for some of these guys. Look at Kyron Lacey, I'm telling you. You see that guy play. Look huh. at his film.
0: Huh. Uh,
2: stud. He he. Look, I, stud. I, he's a true freshman, so I don't want to get ahead of myself, but he has potential for Sundays.
1: Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it, guys. Completely unrelated news to the Cajuns. I just like to share general sports news as it happens. For the first time since 2000, and this is I, I say this because this is the most local NHL team to Lafayette. Laugh <laughs> but for the first time since 2000, the Dallas Stars are going to the Stanley Cup Finals.
3: Cool. All right,
1: you know, just just you know, tidbit for the the hockey faithful out here. I know there's I know there's quite a few. Because Is Madonna still playing for the Dallas Stars? He's actually in the front office of the Dallas Stars. Look I'm at not that. See, I
2: got a I got a hockey if, name. If I'm not mistaken,
1: um, you know, mo- moving on, guys. Billy said this morning at his press conference, for the most part, the team came out healthy. Dante Fleming's a little banged up. Freshman wide receiver for me, St. John Elijah Mitchell was also hurt, but uh, you know, Billy said that there's nothing to worry about there. Patrick Mensa was also hurt in special teams coverage. What's the word there? Last I've heard, nothing major. Okay. Might miss this Saturday. Okay. Good. But nothing, nothing long term. Good. Um, Good. Well, let me ask you this: You know, talk, talking about an injury standpoint, you know, playing Georgia Georgia State this weekend, a team that widely
2: regarded to be much much weaker than we are. According to Billy Napier, number one most improved team in our league, though.
1: Do do you? Do you rest guys like Elijah Mitchell?
2: Well, I'm, on Zion Hill. I'm giving Chris Smith and uh, Regus the ball. We don't need Eli. That that that's what I'm saying. Zion Hill, do you sit him again? Yes. Elijah Mitchell, you sit again? It depends on how healthy he is. I mean, look, I'm I'm going to take Pete and sit him a while. Yeah, I mean. Uh, look, this is a team that gave up thirty six point two points a game last year, 456 yards per game last year. This is not a strong defense. Now, it might be improved. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not trying to get pompous and high on the horse. I'm deathly afraid of Georgia State. But I have a ton of confidence in the guys that we have outside of some of the more well-known names. I'm confident in our process. I'm confident in our preparation. You know, I sound a little bit like Billy there, but it's gotten to the point where I actually believe that. So, Chris Smith is capable. Trey Ragus needs more carries anyway. If Eli is not 100%, let him sit.
3: I wouldn't sit him. him. I him a completely lot, agree. I'd give him a lot less reps. Uh, I, I don't think, regardless... How, how, how can
1: you get less than eight carries? I'll Give him five. Give him five that's, and let That's
2: worthless.
3: Because at this point, here's, here's the thing. You know, even though Georgia Southern is not Iowa State, it's still a conference game. And
2: Familiarity, man. It's a different animal.
3: I just find that, you know, you can't overlook any team in the conference. You can't, you can't go in with this so mindset that we're automatically going to win. So let's do this. Hi-
1: hypothetically, okay. Elijah Mitchell gets in the game because, from what it looked like, correct me if I'm wrong. It looked like an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. Let's flash back to his freshman year.
2: No, it was uh, he got hit in the head. Was it, was it his head? Yes. Okay. He was not well, then, then, for about five then I'm seconds. Not, then, I'm not, then I'm not nearly as worried. Okay. I am more worried because if it's a head injury and it's a lingering issue. Well, yes. Issue. Yes. Sit, yes. Sit, sit, sit.
1: But what, what I was thinking was, it look, to me, it looked like an ankle. What I was going to pose the question to Jerry was, mm-hmm. say we play him, that ankle's not fully healthy. Maybe it's the same one that he hurt his freshman year. It snaps again and he's out for the year. I mean, it's a risky take. But that, but that's an unnecessary risk. I think so. But that's an unnecessary
3: risk. Hey, look, but it is closed, it his ankle though? No, it's a head well, injury. If, if it's if it's a head injury, that's more worrisome. a reason. And, how, and, how, and, reason, bad, and here's reason the question: How bad was the ankle injury? I mean, if it were, you don't remember his freshman. year? No, 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 no. I'm talking about like hypothetically. How bad would the ankle injury have to be? I mean, if it's just like you little tweaked it, I wouldn't. But it, I, it but tweaking an ankle that was surgically repaired.
2: I got two words. I got. Th- Two letters and a word for you. T.J. Wisham. We have three capable backs outside of Eli there's, Mitchell.
1: There's no reason to play Eli Mitchell in this game. None.
2: Zero. Now, with all that being said, apparently he's healthy. So Yeah,
1: I mean, if, if, he's, <laughs> if, if he's fully 100% healthy, let him play. Let's fight. play, sure. Give him run, runs. Run the if, ball. If, I mean, if, if, he, you've got, if you've got this much doubt that he is not 100%, he needs to sit. Yeah,
2: let him he's be a cheerleader sit. for a week. No big deal. It, it we, just, we need him down the stretch. We need him for that.
3: Well, it depends on the severity of his injury, too, because if you're going to sit him when he's really okay, you don't want to. I mean, not to say he won't pick up from where he left off against Georgia Southern, but he's got momentum right now. If you know? he is. Le- he does. I mean, look. Elijah Mitchell has. He's got, he's got momentum,
2: he's got zero momentum. Well, none of us had momentum. The offense was terrible. Zion, Elijah Mitchell has zero momentum.
3: Well, that last drive, I mean, he broke up some really nice runs. I'm just saying, like, he's got a little, you know, he's got a little pep in his step. And the thing is, he's gonna—they're gonna run better against this defense. I'm not—and and they, I agree, they with will. That. I, I'm not—I'm not disagreeing. Just Yet,
2: hypothetically, like you the, asked, the, the, if the it point, was up to you, the, would the you still?
1: The point I'm trying to make is that if you have the slightest inclination that he's not healthy,
3: he can't play. I mean if it's like a bad like an ankle sprain No, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't care he can't play. Well that's what I'm saying, but I mean he doesn't have that. i that we as know. As far as
2: we know. That we know. Right. Look, it doesn't matter. We've got four backs that I guess play. I guess
3: what I'm trying to say is like I'm looking at it as if he has like if he, you know, hurt his pinky and you want to sit him, I'm not going to sit him for something. I wouldn't sit him for something like oh, that. Oh no, of course I
2: mean, not. Just, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't a head injury is not anything to F with.
3: I mean, was it was it a minor concussion or something? I mean, Dude, he, he was, went and,
2: he stuck the ball out. I mean, if and it's was... a minor
3: concussion, you, I mean that that's protocol. You, 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 don't, you don't take chances on that. I guess we'll see. I guess, I, I guess what I was saying, I thought you were looking at it as just sitting him just to sit him. I, I wouldn't sit him just to sit I mean,
1: him. I mean, I, I would absolutely rest your running back if you don't need him. It's, a, it's an 11-game season. We've still got two crucial games against UAB and App.
2: I would not be upset if I don't see Eli. I would not be either. I, I don't care what in the fact, reasoning I actually is. kinda wanna see TJ get some, some I, I
1: wouldn't I wouldn't care what the reasoning was.
2: Yeah.
1: I if he doesn't suit up
2: on
3: Saturday, I'm not mad. For sure. It wouldn't upset me, but I mean I just would I just wouldn't I'm not mad. I wouldn't do it. I'm so more you know, interested to see if Dante. This isn't like pre, I mean, this isn't preseason. You don't just right. sit out a guy just because you want to rest him in the, in college. You gotta play him. I mean head, head injury is nothing to
2: mess with, is what I would
3: but say. But if it right? is a head injury, yeah. But I mean, if we're gonna sit like like the if you, it's like the Saints when they win the division, you sit out your first string the last game of the season. I mean, this isn't one of those games. It's a conference game. It counts. Sure. That's, well, that's all I'm saying. I mean, I, I mean, even even when you play like FCS teams, like the big schools that play FCS teams, they'll they'll play their starters for like a half, and then they'll sit them out when they're up by forty points, but. They're going to play their starters. Still. Well, there's
2: something to be said about getting in a rhythm. So I agree with well, that's you. That's
3: i That's all I'm saying. That's what I'm trying to say. Like I Don- agree with
2: that. I, like I said, I'm more interested. We're, to not, see we're not playing
3: Texas Southern.
2: I mean, this is a so conference game. Dante Fleming is important. That that's that's the one you have to look out for. What's going to happen with Dante Fleming? So I'll, I'll I'll say this in we'll closing.
1: And closing on this conversation, we're 17 point favorites for a reason.
3: I don't want to overlook them, though. I am I'm definitely not, afraid of Georgia I State. I'm not, I'm not overlooking them. them.
1: I'm definitely I'm not afraid of Georgia State. I'm not overlooking them. Not at all. But what I'm saying is we're 17-point favorites for a reason.
3: We were 28-point favorite against South Alabama last okay. year. And were we played like <laughs> shit. Well, it's possible this week. I'm not saying we will, but, I mean, it can happen. It can happen. I mean, I'm I'm just <laughs>
1: – okay. I know where you're coming from. Mo- kidding, moving, moving, just, moving, moving on. Uh, <laughs> Arkansas State goes to Manhattan, Kansas. And pulls off another Big 12 upset, 35-31. to 31. They look like Arkansas State. Jonathan Adams Jr. was a grown-ass man. No and shit. they came back and did it, too. Yeah. Grown-ass man. They came back and did it. Charlotte made Boone, North Carolina shit their pants for about half an hour. It was ugly for a while.
3: I was more surprised at that game than any other one. It was ugly for a while. The is not State as bad pulls, as we thought.
1: App State pulls away in the fourth quarter, 35-20. to 20. Army all over Monroe to yeah, be Thirty-seven uh, even, to seven. Army had four hundred and forty-seven rushing yards.
2: That's so awesome. That
1: UTSA pulls off a overtime, a double overtime stunner over Texas State, fifty-one to forty-eight. I'm not happy. About I blame that. it on no. Texas State. That kicker. was so brutal.
2: Now look, you lose McBride <sighs> right before the game, and they probably knew a couple days in advance, but still. Bru- Right. Th- there was so much hype. They hey, had momentum. I'll be honest. Tyler Vitt played well. Oh shit, he played well. He had four
1: touchdowns, 350 yards, and four touchdowns. Completed 60 something percent of his passes. And he played work. well. And, and did work in the
2: second half. And they rallied to come back.
1: If, if you have a place kicker that can make a point after a attempt you, you can. make the extra point. Georgia Jeez. Southern missing 33 players in a god awful performance. Sneaks out a game against Campbell, 27 to 26. Ugh. Tulane over South Alabama, 27-24. to Another oh, disappointment. The Jags are now 0-1 in brand-new, beautiful Hancock-Whitney Stadium. Total debacle. Uh, yeah. Total Ridiculous meltdown.
2: 24-6 to in the second half. Yeah, Ridiculous yeah, game. Meltdown. And then Coastal Carolina owning
1: Les the Miles once again, 38-23. to 23. What, did I, what did I say, guys? Yeah, you called it. What team. did I say? McCall. Grayson McCall. No, you did The d- Literally, I just recorded the Underdog Dynasty podcast about an hour before we started this one. Of the 38 points, do you want to know how many points Grayson McCall accounted for?
3: 31. 35. Wow. Three passing touchdowns and two running. Not to talk smack, but how we, how bad would that Kansas game the be? The kid's a freshman.
2: The hat, man. The hat just can't this hang was with his, the Chanticleers. This was his
3: college football debut,
1: and he scores five touchdowns.
2: Can't hang with the Chanticleers, Unreal.
1: man. And, awesome. then, and then lastly, before we go... The grand finale. Yes. Patches <laughs> a <little> hand. <laughs> I, I, I try to mimic the little 10 year old in Dodgeball. Right. But he announced, it was announced earlier today.
3: And if you're wondering who that is, that is
1: Tommy, Tommy McClellan, the online director of Louisiana Tech. He, uh, it was announced today that he would be leaving Ruston at the end of the month to travel to Nashville. Why? To be the deputy athletic director of external affairs and revenue generation at the University of Vanderbilt.
2: That's totally made up. So let me get this straight. A totally made up title. He's no. leaving. You
1: know what? You know what? You know what position that is?
2: The custodian. That Reminded is the that,
1: that is the executive director of RCAF. Oh, is it? it, it it's the same position. That's, but why would you leave an AD that's what, pa-
3: that's what he's going to Vanderbilt to be. He's running their donor group. But why would you leave an athletic director position at a an, and I, I hate to say it, I'm going to wash my mouth out with soap when I well, say this— um, But a prevalent athletic program—it's not like he's leaving some small D3 but school. But here's, I mean, here's,
1: here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to put it to you the best way I can, whether you agree with me or not. You know, totally your prerogative. He Yes, he is leaving an athletic director position for a deputy athletic director position. On paper, it is a demotion. Yeah. However— in the grand scheme, well, not, not not just money. I think some of it is not, money. Not just money. In, in the grand scheme, it is a promotion because, i don't tell you why, obviously the check's going to get a lot fatter. Let's well, be totally honest. They're rich. <laughs> even even if it was Texas A&M, yeah, S- yeah, big, any SEC any school,
2: SEC yeah, school like the paycheck's getting fatter. I, I have a counterpoint after you are finished with that.
1: And secondly, albeit on paper the position is a demotion, He's going to do this position at an SEC program. Fair enough. In the grand scheme, it's a promotion for Tommy McCullough. Conference-wise, yes.
2: Position-wise. No, but it's a promotion. Uh, Let uh, me uh, pose to uh, you an analogy. Brian Maggard left an SEC program as the number two in charge to come to Louisiana and be the man in charge. Think about that. Tommy McClellan just did the opposite. (laughs) That's what just happened. At a worse program. Yeah. Um. Wait, wait,
1: wait. Are you saying that Vanderbilt is the worst program in Missouri?
2: In football? In basketball?
1: The maybe, two, maybe the
3: two baseball, but that's about it. the
2: two means. biggest
3: generating. Oh, well, I sports? don't,
1: I don't know. I think Vanderbilt's got a better football team than Missouri does right now.
3: Oh what, no, what, What?
2: dude? Missouri won the East.
1: Yeah, like,
3: Missouri's been in the SEC championship game like just the first two years, two years they got there. Three
2: years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've
3: been in the SEC championship. Van, Has Vanderbilt like, ever
2: been to the SEC championship?
3: They've had like two winning seasons in like fifty years or something. I'm, I'm kidding, but
2: but no, it's true. I mean, just, they're an absolute dumpster fire. Their own fans are making fun of McClellan for taking the job. Yeah. Brian Maggard left Missouri, an SEC program who he helped get into the SEC, to come to be the boss here. McClellan did the opposite. So what that tells me, and look, I hate tech. It's documented. It's if, well documented. If I'm a tech fan, how embarrassing. He left a sinking ship to go be a cafeteria line server at Vanderbilt. Oh, my God. That, that's what he did. Come but on. That's, that's come the on. point. What he, does that say about tech? It, listen, in the business world, it doesn't matter if the money is different. Your title still matters. He's leaving the number one position in an athletic program to go be an assistant. That's the truth. And you can't fit all those words on a door sign, by the way.
3: It's <laughs> fucking made up. I just, I I, I mean, it's perception. And look, I, Matt, you're going to the SEC, I understand, but you What, that's is that, even, that's what not does not that say? It. Ab- but What does that say about tech?
2: It says a lot about tech, and it's not good.
3: Like, you're leaving. What does that say about tech?
2: Rustoni is a dump, number one. The program lives in a world that does not exist, number two. What is the upward mobility of a guy at tech? Some asshole, Peter. Tamil? Is that a. I don't know how to say his name. Pete Tamil? He called him the up and coming athletic director, but the dude took an athletic assistant. Uh, Booster job? How are you an up-and-comer when you take it to demotions? It's, it's part of the delusion, man. These people are deranged. Go Cajuns, man. F-Tech. Go Cajuns. All
1: right, Cajun Nation, as always, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Rage Review. The new website is now available, www.rageandreviewpod.com. And let's run through the list of now where you can find the Rage Interview Podcast. Guys, we've done a lot of work for you guys this week. Here we go. Google, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. I mean, I can go on and on. Basically, I, it's almost the true fact of wherever you
2: get your podcast. If you want to listen to the podcast, it's very easy to find. Yeah, 100%. wraps it
1: up. 100% incredibly easy to find. Guys, we'll talk to you next week. Oh, before we go... Let's play a game for Cajun Nation. Three clues as to who our next guest is going to be. Oh,
0: I'm I'm going to give you three
1: clues, not going to give you the name. If you can comment on the Twitter page with his Twitter handle, we will send you some Rage and Review merch. Yes. He is a reporter for Fox Sports and FS1. He is a writer for The Athletic. And he is a New York Times best-selling author. All we're going to give you, stay tuned, Rage Interview, we're out of here. See you guys next week. Tell them,